What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Renegade Animation on the Renegade Pop Culture Podcast Network. My name is Mike. Joining me, as always, is my co-captain, Cameron. Howdy, howdy. And, boy, we've got, we've got a fun episode planned for today. Um, no no uh, new reviews, because next month we have a long-ass anime preview uh, coming so we've got some news to cover, but we'll also be talking about the Annie Awards and we'll have our own closing thoughts on the year 2020. But first, Cameron, what are, what are some of these news stories? Well, let's get through some renewal announcements first. So Star Trek Lower Decks gets a season three green light app um, and a premiere for season two in August on August 12th and okay and of course season one will be coming out on Blu-ray and DVD uh in uh, May 18th so uh I mean I, I know I'm kind of milk like lukewarm I guess I'm supposed to say milk toast and it's like no that's not the right word uh on the series but you know if it's popular and people like it so be it. I'm not going to ruin their fun. I'm, I'm not going to be like, stop having fun. You know, now, now that I actually have Paramount Plus, I, I will go back and, and like go through the series. Hell, if I, if I have the time, I might go through some of the other Star Trek shows. Um, I know, I know uh, the franchise can be a little, a little daunting to go through everything, but um as as long as long as the new stuff is not too um continuity driven then i should be okay so far uh lower decks seems to be its own thing with just kind of mild references or a lot of references to everything else so seems like you can kind of just jump in without worrying too much about it so that's that's always good um, so Fox has ordered a third season of Duncanville, the uh, show by Amy Poehler and Mike and Julie Scully. Um, and season two will premiere on May 23rd. This is one of the f- shows that I wish we could have talked about earlier, like in the, of last year, like when it ended its first season, just because even though it has one of those art styles that makes people's eyes roll like right out of their heads. It's it's bento box, so yeah. Un, as unfair as that is, I don't blame them. Yeah, but it's it has way better writing than something like Paradise PD or um or Hoops, other two other bento box studios uh, shows, and like it, it's just a very charming kind of show. It it doesn't do anything like super original. But I think just the writing and the cast really helps elevate it. So, um, and that'll be it for that. Um, oh, so Netflix, um, May 13th, will release Castlevania Season 4 for its final season. And uh, the people behind it um, have also teased a, like, a news show that they're slowly working on so um i'm i, I think uh 
I, I think Castlevania is pretty good to go to end at uh, four seasons. Have you seen the show? Sadly, I haven't. But as I think, like, see, season one's only like four episodes, right? And then the, the others are ten? Like eight. Like season two, I think, is eight episodes. And then season three is ten. Okay. Uh, see, that seems uh, digestible. Yeah. No, um, it's... It, it's kind of helped elevate adult animation because it's more of an action and drama. Like, think of, like, if Game of Thrones was... No offense to Game of Thrones. Was better made. Just in terms of just writing and character dynamics and philosophy uh, stuff, and it's also fairly funny. Um, and it, this is by... Uh, and the show was animated by Powerhouse Studios, uh, who do like says Manos, that uh, Blood of Zeus, Netflix anime, and such. They're, they're the ones who are basically behind all those gory, hyper violent adult animated shows that are for some reason called anime when they're technically not. <laughs> it also but, should be pointed out that Powerhouse is teaming up with Legendary to do that uh, Kong anime series, which I'm I'm still fairly excited about. Yeah, no, same here. I can't wait for it. But yeah, no, Castlevania was also kind of has a weird history because Netflix was like, and Konami were like, hey, we'd like to make a Netflix anime. I mean, not Netflix, uh, a Castlevania anime. And it's like, Konami was like, and Netflix were like, okay, fine. We'll give you four episodes and see what happens. And then everybody watched those four episodes in like record time and then when it, when everyone was like, oh my god, the story's about to get going at episode four, it stops. <laughs> and it's like, wait, what? <laughs> That's it? <laughs> you just stop right when the story's about to get going? And then it's like, okay, 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 don't worry. We have a second season and we'll make a third season. Um, it was just kind of interesting. It was like the first, it was like one of the few times I could think of where Netflix has a, uh, like a, a, an experiment like a like a global audience test <laughs> yeah it, it did kind of it did kind of feel like um for those first four episodes um that like the netflix audience was like sort of a public focus group yeah that that sorry that's what that's exactly what it was and um so i'm looking forward to it i i don't mean to sound like i'm like uh finally it's just it's one of those shows where it's like you have to really be in with the uh, drama and the story and such, or else it's just like, you'll just be kind of bored waiting for the action and the action's really good, but it's like, but the characters are strong enough to carry it. So, which is always a good thing. Cause you know, everybody likes to use that Jaws defense when hmm. it's like, yeah, but Jaws has good writing and characters. If it didn't have that, we'd still be bored waiting for the shark. The shark is just a, a cherry on top of a, of a well-made ice cream. Exactly. So um, I can't wait for that. Um, Netflix also put out a trailer for Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, um, which will premiere in July. And from what I remember, this also has the same voice actors from the recent Resident Evil remake games, the one for Resident Evil 2 and 3. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, they do a good job. Um, it will be directed by uh, Ichi- uh, Ichiro Hasumi, 
who worked on uh, Uzi, uh, Umi Zaru in Assassination Classroom. And uh, Yugo Kano uh, is composing the music. He did the music for, uh, or Yugo did the music for Psychopaths and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stardust Crusaders. Um, so the Netflix trailer, the, well, the, yeah, it's Leon. It's a, the story is about Leon, who is investigating a hacking incident and Claire visiting to petition the government to construct a welfare facility, have a chance reunion at the White House. A strange drawing from a little boy in an unexpected power outage in the White House marks the beginning of the infinite darkness. Sorry, that's just so fun to say. Um, and yeah, I think this sound, this looks good. I mean, like for CGI animation uh, that is being produced by Quebico, I think that's how you say uh, say their studio name. They did the uh, those CGI animated films for Resident Evil, which will I think we'll have to talk about those when this new show comes out because I think this is connected to those films. Uh, that remains to be seen, but if we if we are covering those, I'm going to have to bring my uh, my jukebox co-host Nick on board because he's a big. Uh, Resident Evil fan. Yeah, I think that'll be good. I, I'm a fan in the sense that I like watching playthroughs of it and I love the world and the monsters and such. I mean, you know me, I'm a monster guy. Um, but I, anytime I've tried to play a Resident Evil game, I've kind of just quit on it. Not because it's like I wasn't having fun or anything, but it's just like, oh, the sound design gets to me way too, <laughs> way, way too well, you know, like. It's like, okay, got, got the key. I hear something off in the distance. And it's like, okay, turn off the console, throw in the disc out the window, bye. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, nope. <laughs> uh, but I, I can't wait for that. So um, Sony had a bit of a field day the other day with uh, announcing some Hotel Transylvania news. First off, they released the new Hotel Transylvania short Monster Pets, which is all about um dracula getting his giant giant dog a uh a friend to play with and uh i i just love that short i thought it was super delightful um and yeah it's 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 just adorable by the, by the way um that is not adam sandler voicing dracula this time yeah, um, one of the news announcements with the new film in this short is that Adam Sandler is not returning for uh, the, the final film in the franchise, which is kind of shocking because I, I wonder why that is. I wonder if it's a scheduling conflict or if it's just he, he wanted more money or the cynical side of me is just like he got mad when Gindy took over writing duty over him <laughs> for the... Uh, third film and such but i i'm, I, I'm gonna give I, sandler the benefit of the doubt and say it was a scheduling issue because you know if if things got personal between him and uh and gendy um i don't know so, something something tells me the rest of his friends wouldn't like would have been replaced as well yeah yeah no and here's the thing i say that but that's not it that's not true i i do agree it's i'm I, it's not true that I think they fell out. I think Adam Sandler, like, it's a scheduling conflict because, you know, uh, he's working on a few more Netflix films and I'm sure he's working on some other major film, 
features and he's he's known as like one of the best people to work with in hollywood so it's like yeah so i so i can't can't even i can't even imagine him having beef with with anyone else no no isn't that always weird you think like oh my gosh i cannot stand adam sandler films but everyone's like yeah i like working with him and that's and that's nice because it's you know the thing that should get you fired or blacklisted in hollywood or anywhere is that if you're a pain to work with well uh um but yeah uh what did you think about the short first oh my god the short was just so adorable um you know it it has like that same like bouncy chaotic energy of the films but you know in a shorter package it it really does feel like um it like it feels like a you know 3d version of the looney tunes shorts and not not to spoil the ending but um, I don't make that Looney Tunes comparison lightly. Let's just put, let's just say that. Well, uh, one of the guys who works, I think, in Sony's uh, gaming se- section, who also worked on Sony Pictures Animation, was talking about the trailer, I mean, the, the short and how a lot of work goes into this cartoony animation. I think something that gets lost in translation with... Uh, I think other studios taking notes of how Sony Pictures does their comedic animation, or at least with the Hotel Transylvania films, is that they think like, oh, look how they move around and are squiggly and just all over the place and and such. So if we do that, it'll look great. But you look at, you watch the uh, the short in slow motion, there is so much work between all these snappy movements, like all the in-betweens, like it's like it's all like they worked hard to make sure every movement looked good. And that means the in-betweens that you don't see or like the in-between reactions of like when the ball drops on Drac. Mm-hmm. Like it's really impressive. And I have to say my, I think my favorite bit was when you see the, the, the Pharaoh cat and uh, Drac is like, Oh, look how cute he is then you see just the face of the dog <laughs> behind him it's so, like i don't know that that face is so good because it's like i have a little yorkie and it's just like when you see a dog get that kind of face it's like oh oh no <laughs> I, I think my two favorite moments were that and um when like when dracula makes um the bl- blobby pup Oh gosh! <laughs> and then, um, you know, t- Tinkles drops the ball, and then all like the little like like the little mi- mini blobs start popping up. Yeah, no that that that's that's a great little sequence. I I think my favorite bit of animation, though. I mean, I know I just said like the dog's facial reaction and just all the details that go into this animation is the Franken dog. Oh my god! Yes, that thing must have. Been, took an, a, a good bit to animate because there's a lot of moving parts and it's so fluid and it all feels very cohesive even though it's a dog made up of different parts yeah i'm i'm, I'm impressed with the way they like they assembled that creature yeah and uh so uh, along with this new short they have transylvania 4 which is going to be called transylvania transformania and like we've said before like previously 
uh, Brian Hall will be taking over for Adam Sandler, which I couldn't tell. So he knows he's good. He's good at kind of copying that Adam Sandler Drac voice. And that that's very impressive to me. Wait a minute, Brian Hull. You don't you don't you don't think that's the the YouTuber, do you? Oh, that is the YouTuber. Oh, that is him. So that's I think that's him. Like I can't I like it, hold on. It, it, it's it's him. It's him. I just pulled up his IMDb. It's it's him. Oh man, good job. <laughs> yeah, no. He, um for for those for those who don't know, um Brian Hull his uh his youtube channel is almost entirely devoted to you know um like voice voice acting impressions um some like he'll do like he'll uh, record songs like in the in the style of some of you know characters voices he, right. he's, he's like multi-talented in that in that sense so this is a great get for for Sony Pictures. Yeah, no, um, good on him. Congrats. Um, so the film, the new film will be released July 23rd. It got moved up from its August 6th uh, uh, release, and it's going to be competing with, uh, apparently it's going to compete with uh, Space Jam, A New Legacy. So, Boy, that's, that's, that's going to be uh, one hell of, a, hell of a summer. Yeah, and these films are very successful and profitable. Um, and like they've made a total of $1.3 billion. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, I almost forgot to talk about to bring this up, but Cartoon Network, despite a lot of the news, I mean, we'll talk about this for a little bit because there's some of this and some Infinity Train news that we kind of oh. have to talk about. Um, yeah. So, uh, Cartoon Network is going to uh, unveil a new program called Cartoon Cartoons, which is, of course, a play on their old Friday night. Hold uh, on, can we, can we back up for a minute? Um, because something else, I don't remember if we mentioned it earlier, but um, the, the Cartoon Network studio in Europe has been rebranded to Hanna-Barbera Productions, or... Hanna Barbera Productions Europe, which, which is cool because between this and the Cartoon Cartoons announcement, it, it just it just feels kind of, it just feels, um, very nostalgic that they're bring they're bringing back like, um, you know na- names that come with a lot of a lot of history. Yeah, yeah. Now it uh. It looks good, um, and um, I mean it, it's good that they bring up the uh, uh, yeah sorry, um, the Hanna Barbera name for that, and so yeah, uh, this cartoon cartoons is the next is their new like what a cartoon, uh, like style program where they're going to make a bunch of shorts that are essentially pilots. And a lot of them are, a few of them are probably going to get turned into shows. And I love it when channels do this, like Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon. I don't think Disney's done this yet, but I wouldn't be shocked if I'm just forgetting that they did or not. 
I I would have remembered something like something like this if it came from Disney, but um, the like the fact that Cartoon Network is is essentially rebooting what a cartoon is is just delightful. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you think this will be a way to see like, hey, maybe we'll get we'll change uh, art styles maybe a little, or like, do you think? Uh, like, do you think we'll see something dip, like new and different, or do you think we'll see kind of like the same, that same variation of this of the Cartoon Network style? But like, I, I mean, what do you think? Like, what are you um, hoping to see? On, honestly, honestly, I have no idea what to expect. I mean, I will assume that you know, look, looking at some of these names, um, Pete Browngard, uh, Manny Hernandez, Katie Rice. These are these are all um, these are all these are all names that come with. Uh, sorry, uh, the phone's no ringing. Well, anyway, as I was, part, as I was saying, um, you know, the, the, these are these are names with co- that like come with a certain level of confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Pete Pete Browngard was the the head, um, like uh, Looney Tunes. Yeah, Looney Tunes and those two Tom and Jerry shorts. Yeah. So, I I have no idea what to expect, like um, stylistically, but like just based on overall quality, I'm I'm hoping for the best. Yeah. No, I want to see some new stuff, and I I think I want to see a little more variation if some of these get turned into series. Like I love. Slice of life, slice of life. I love action. I love dramas. I, well, I mean, we'll talk a little bit about this with Cartoon Network, but uh, with the Infinity Train stuff, I just want to see variety among characters and stories. Yeah, same, and same. And if, like, I want to see like, and I don't know, I want to see them commit to this because I don't want them to turn into like the Nickelodeon situation or that or they fall into that teen Titans go every day, all the time uh, thing that they fell into in the mid two thousands. Not that I hated teen Titans go. It's just, you know, variety is the spice of life. And if you don't want your channel to just die out completely, uh, you need to offer something more. You got to give them something that it's like, I want something that I can't get on a streaming service or, or something so that that's just i want to see some new life and maybe give someone like elizabeth ito another chance of making another series and i don't know i'm just saying because you know city of ghosts is amazing and yes people please go watch city of ghosts i'm just saying i'm just saying <laughs> and um do you want to talk about the uh infinity train stuff now or yeah let, maybe- let's let's rip off that band-aid so with the recent release of Infinity Train Season 4, or Book 4, uh, Owen Dennis has confirmed that the fifth season was going to be a movie, and a whole script was written, and it was going to be about our favorite false conductor, and it was going to like call back and really just wrap up everything from Book 1 to Book, well, to book 5. But Cartoon Network, not uh, I, hmm. it's like i don't want to say it's fully cartoon network but it's also like he didn't say 
like uh this was a AT&T's thing so uh, because the film wasn't going to be to have a young lead like a kid from what I could tell this was the situation just because it didn't have a kid protagonist was like no we're good and it's like that hurts and I know someone on Twitter is like well cartoons are for kids and it's just like kid protagonist but it's also like but that's so limiting just because you're aiming it at a kid demographic doesn't mean you have to literally make it just for kids i've said before that if you like change the wording of some of close enough's uh like jokes and dialogue you could literally play it on cartoon network like I don't know. It just seems like in an age where we've had like Looney Tunes and Steven Universe talk about like Looney Tunes hiding adult jokes and clever stuff like that or uh, Steven Universe talking about trauma and such. I, I, I know we're talking about Cartoon Network, but yeah, like all, all this talk about like, um, you know, like all this talk about like um we like we need we need a a childlike lead um in order for a show to be successful um like it it made me think it made me think about rugrats how you know um if if you change the if you change the point of view from like from like the babies to the adults yeah um like but but changed nothing else about the show it would still it would still work yeah, no, um, and even, like, even if the babies and the kids were the focus of Rugrats, the adults were still part of the story. They, they, they still, you know, they, they, people remember them, too. They, they all had distinct characters and chemistry and what have you. It's, and it's just, like, this just reminds me of when Missing Link came out, and everyone's just, like, this is Laika's first animated animated film excuse me um that didn't have a child lead and that's disappointing and it's like be quiet kids might like kid protagonists but they they like everyone i think like i I don't know i just think limiting cartoons to just teenagers is or just to kid characters is super limiting and insulting because like that would that kind of spits in the face of stuff like regular show, which obviously did not have kid characters. They were more like young adults. Yeah, and and like even 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 SpongeBob, like sure, um, like the like the reason the reason why he's in boating schools must must have something to do with like you know some sort of mandate that um they have to have a school element in there but you know the character himself is an adult yeah young adult he's (laughs) it just doesn't make sense and like i know some people can say like well the disney princesses are teenagers and it's like yeah but uh, hmm." (laughs) it's like teenager in a sense of like what the 80s and 90s thought teenagers (laughs) looked like it's that kind of thing where it's like, oh yeah, I totally believe these 30-year-olds are playing teenagers. And I go, I remember this old Stephen Colbert joke where it's like, 
Because, of course, all teenagers go home and shave their five o'clock shadow. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it, I don't know, it, it's, it's really frustrating because, um, and I don't know. I, I wish it was, I wish Cartoon Network or AT&T or who's ever actually behind the, the decision not to greenlight it for such a stupid reason. Um, just kind of reconsiders and that means everyone you have to watch infinity train watch book four make i know it's a huge hit on hbo max but keep making it a hit and if you don't hear anything may hope for that they're just having to keep quiet because of you know ndas and whatever um one one more thing before before we move on um I, if, if I recall correctly, HBO Max is going international um, around June. Like that'll be, that's when it's um, launching in, in other regions. So if you really want to see Infinity Train um, succeed, make sure to tell your, uh, your friends outside of the US to please check out the series. Tweet about it show fan art do do everything just we need more infinity train y'all please if you're going to support something please support infinity train i lied there's one more thing i i need to um like i need to give a little psa about uh just in terms of modern animation like in general um like the what like the one thing that's making that's making like shows like this um hard to garner word of mouth is there there's there's a real lack of marketing it kind it kind of feels like it kind of feels like all the word of mouth is is done like like exclusively on social media and like pretty pretty much the fans have become like their own uh marketing team when they're like they should have they should have more support from the networks the studios um like so far um probably like the like the one new series and it's not even new it's a reboot that has had like the most exposure is animaniacs yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) it just seems like a lot of people a lot of uh studios are thinking like oh hey we'll uh you just rely on word of mouth and it's like that's not a good idea we might live in a social media age but these things don't uh i don't know it's like the these the range that this uh word of mouth goes like it has only goes so far exactly I wish there was more, but oh well. <laughs> so just, I mean, and just like animation is an unlimited medium of storytelling. Please stop trying to make it one thing. This is why anime gets such a cool reputation because you could do dramas, action shows, horror shows, comedies, romances, fan service, <laughs> like short and shorts. And like you could literally make an anime this season like super cub about a girl who's alone in the world 
finding a new lease on life when she gets a a a, a moped like <laughs> i don't know i don't know what to say like just stop trying to limit animation yeah the the so- the sooner the sooner we lift the st- like the stigma of of animation only has like two like demographics the better i mean for 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 heaven's sake the biggest film animated film from last year outside of wolf walkers aka soul was about a middle-aged man dying and learning about life and what drives you and what and like what defines you and such like you're you're telling me that animation is just for kids Uh uh-uh not not when we can make stories like this Uh, okay let's move on before because we can let's get mad at something else Hollywood has run out of ideas. Case number 5,200,051. We're getting a freaking peeps animated film. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, it is described as the trolls meet Smurfs and follows a ragtag flock of peeps on a cross-country adventure to attend the big annual Peeps Fest in PA, which is, I guess, Pennsylvania. Um, it will be from Christine and Mark Holder of Wonder Streets, and they are the producers of the BAFTA-nominated Golden Globe-winning drama The Mauritanian. And why I, I i noticed a big fat lie in in this article um uh peep uh peeps chicks and bunnies have been ingrained in american pop culture for nearly seven decades due to their instantly recognizable shapes and fan favorite marshmallow taste um no <laughs> who the hell actually likes peeps the only thing people like to do with peeps is shove them in the microwave and watch them explode. <laughs> oh man, I do not like it when these kind of movies come up or announcements come up. It just means you're not actually supporting original ideas. Um, oh, poor, poor, poor naive Mike from like five years ago would have defended this movie because you know he was still he was still kind of riding high off the Lego movie thinking well that movie turned out to be great but that movie turned out to be great because Phil Lord and Chris Miller are great storytellers and they had they had this bonkers idea that just so happened to be a collaboration with Lego I'm yeah. not I'm Maybe it's because I'm older and a little bit more jaded, but I can only I can only extend my benefit of the doubt so far. I just who said let's make an animated movie about peeps? And hey, if it turns out to be great, we'll eat our own words. I'll I'll put some sauce, red sauce on them and eat it all up. But peeps, really? Okay. Let's move on to some more interesting news. 
So a new animated feature called Pierre the Pigeon Hawk has added some uh, known musical voices to the film. We have Will I Am, Jennifer Hudson, and Snoop Dogg. Um, from Exodus Film Group and director John D. Heraclis, who produced Igor and Bunyan and Babe. Um, and uh, Will I Am is going to play the lead role. <laughs> okay. And he's replacing Nick Cannon. Um, and the film already has a cast including Whoopi Goldberg, Keenan Thompson, and Jennifer Coolidge, as well as Howie Mandel, Louise Guzman, Jamal Trulove, and more. So this music-driven family comedy is set in New York City, where Pierre, the product of forbidden love between a hawk and a pigeon, okay, uh, grows up outcast from both bird communities. Determined to find a place where he belongs, Pierre sets out on a journey of self-discovery, befriending unlikely animal companions, a bear that escaped from Central Park Zoo, a brilliant but mad owl named Ophelia, and a pair of streetwise city squirrels. Um, along the way, Pierre finds the courage to inspire animals of all backgrounds to change their ways and open their minds to a new way of thinking. It will take a hybrid bird to unite a hybrid world. Okay, so um, th those of you who know me know that I'm an easy lay for um, A, musicals, and B, films set in New York City. Um, like, as long as you have those two things, you have my attention. Um, this cast is kind, is kind of bonkers. Um, you know, they're all, they're all a bunch of celebrities and, um, like, I, I have, I have no idea what to expect, like, um, based, based off this, uh, this premise and this cast. I can only assume though that, you know, it's going to have some sort of positive message, um, and I'm, I'm sure like the, mu the music will be, um, you know, pretty, uh, enjoyable and upbeat. Um, so to, qu to quote those giant heads from Rick and Morty, show me what you got. <laughs> Honestly, the, the, the idea sounds weird, but I could see a lot of commentary and themes being used in this. Now, will the writing be good? We'll have to see, but at least I can I can kind of see where the potential comes from with this title. It's not just here's a bunch of celebrities. We'll hope for the best. Oh, I don't oh, don't worry. The poten the potential is certainly there. Yeah, it's, it's just it's it's so early in development that um, I like I'm I'm not sure what to expect yet. Right, right. No, um, I hope it's good. I mean, we'll have to see it. I. I can't wait to see a trailer for it. So, Shout Factory is making me eat my own words with how they are. This they picked up another movie. They have picked up the French film Little Vampire from Jones Farr, who did uh, the Rabbi's Cat and was a producer for Aya of Yop City. And 
they will be bringing it over to North America. And um, so, and this was, this film was shown off last year at Annecy. We didn't get to see it, but it was, it had a behind the scenes thing. And it looked really charming. I loved how they set up the acting and, oh my gosh, the animation is so good. Like, it's unfair of how good it looks. Um, because it, it, like, if, I mean, if you go online and you find like episode one, two, three, whatever of the TV series, that's not what this film looks like. The film looks amazing. Yeah, I, this was, this was one of the films that I was disappointed we didn't get to see the full, the full feature last year. Yeah. Um, but good, good on a shout factory for, you know, picking up the slack of everyone else. Well, it's just like, I'm wondering what happened because G Kids, it hasn't really announced anything because so far their only release this year is going to be in you, oh, the new Masaki Yuasa film. And I'm just, I was a little shocked to see them not pick this one up. Um, Cause I feel like, oh, this is an easy target because they have John Safar's previous work um, under their label with the rabbi's cat, which is really good. I recommend it for something very different. Um, but well, like hopefully we'll get to see it soon. Maybe, I'm going to assume maybe a July or August release. And um, yeah, we'll just have to see. Um, so let's go into some trailers. I forgot to mention this one, but we're we got a trailer for Batman The Long Halloween <clears throat> Part 1 which is inspired by the comic from the, of the same name where <clears throat> Batman investigates a brutal murder and he goes around helping like getting like uh, basically talking with like Harvey Dent and getting involved with James Gordon and what the comic is known for for reintroducing and rehabilitating or like basically reincarnating um calendar man and making him more like someone you would see in a Hannibal or mind uh oh, what was that David Lynch uh series like my oh mind hunter not David Lynch uh, I, um man I, I even I'm uh forgetting his name uh Fincher yeah, F- Fincher, sorry. So, I don't know why I have that happen to me. Uh, so it looked pretty promising. Like, I think it looks good. And of course, like the cast includes Josh du- Dumahel as Harvey Dent. Uh, let's see. Uh, Billy Burke as James Gordon. Titus Welliver as Carmine Falcone. David Dashmalkian as Calendar Man, Troy Baker as the Joker, which Troy Baker does a good job with the Joker. Um, he really does. Julie Nathanson as Gilla Dent, Jack Quaid as Alberto, Fred Tataschior as Solomon Grundy. That's perfect casting. He's also played him before. Mm-hmm. If you played like, um, I think it's Gotham Knights. Um, He's one of the first bosses you face and he does the whole like Solomon Grundy born on Monday, christened on Tuesday. It's so creepy. Uh, oh, Jam- yeah. Jampiri as Sal Maroney. 
and Alistair Duncan as Alfred. Well, of course. Um, and Chris Palmer will be directing it. And Tim oh, Sheridan. You, you, you missed one. Um, Naya Rivera is um, her. This, this is her final uh, film role playing Catwoman. Oh no! Did and um. Uh, let's see. Oh, and Jensen Ackles as uh, Batman. Uh, what did you think about this? The trailer for this film. Um, I thought the trailer looked good. I I I like how DC is keeping keeping like that same. Um, basic basically they've um, they they've established a new house style ever since uh, Superman Man of Tomorrow. Um, you know, I I I think that kind of that style works perfect for, um, for adapt adapting these like you know iconic comic book uh, uh, storylines, yeah. and the long the long Halloween has been one of those stories begging for an adaptation. In in a in a perfect world, I um, like the best adaptation would have been a twelve episode miniseries you know 12 12 not not only because it's 12 issues in the cut in like the comic but 12 months 12 months out of the year would have been just perfect yeah especially the calendar man and all that stuff exactly Um, and i like that it's a two-parter though they're not going to do the first superman doomsday thing where they shove an entire story into 70 minutes which oh god i would have i would have hated that if if that were the case just don't i'm so glad that they're kind of slowly making the films longer because it's like i just don't think 70 to 80 minutes is long enough to tell a story like this even though i and i just think it has to be pace 12 um but yeah we'll have to see we'll have to see uh two new anime announcements um and they're both light novel adaptations even though that's a always a little like uh-oh <laughs> like before not. we go there there's what there's one more thing we should talk about um oh. so there's a new uh 2d animated feature coming out um from you know frank marshall barry sonnenfeld oh yes let's talk about this so uh, you go ahead okay so producer frank marshall and barry and director barry sonnenfeld are teaming up to adapt um perestroika in paris um, it's a novel from Pulitzer Prize winning author Jane Smiley. This is, this is really cool. Um, I, I've, I haven't personally read this novel, but, you know, I've, I've, al- I've always said that, like, we need to see more uh, 2D animated fe- features. And it's, it's cool that, um, as far as I know, Baron, Barry Sonnenfeld, um, who you might who might you might know from you know Men in Black, the Adams Family films. Uh, this is, to my knowledge, his first um, animated feature. So I'm I'm just really curious to see what he brings to the table. Right, right. No, that, this will be a very cool uh, idea, and I can't wait to see what Barry Sonnenfeld does. I mean. I, I know not everyone was a fan of his works and films outside of, uh, like, I, I think the only film I like from him is the first Men in Black, but 
this should be very interesting. I can't wait to see what they do. What they do. And unfortunately, there's not much else. They're apparently looking for a uh, um, a writer right now for the project. So we um, we have some anime news, and they're both light novel adaptations that are getting anime series. The first one we're going to be talking about is Skeleton Knight in Another World, um, which will be directed by. Uh, Katsumi Ono, who did Yes, Hypnosis Mike Division Rap Battle. Oh, nice. And uh, the studios will be Studio Kai and Hornets. And uh, Takeshi Kikuchi um, will be supervising the script. So um, here's what the plot is. One day, a gamer played video games until he fell asleep. And when he woke up, he found himself in the game world. As a skeleton, equipped with the powerful weapons and armor of his avatar, but stuck with the frightening skeletal appearance, Ark has to find a place for himself in this new fantastical land. All his hopes for a quiet life are dashed when he crosses paths with a beautiful elven warrior, sending him on a journey full of conflict and adventure. So is Isekai pretty much like the, the gold standard now for fantasy in Japan? I wish it wasn't because it just seems like no one wants to do just pure fantasy. I'll even accept pure fantasy that has like RPG logic and like systems and such. Fine, whatever. But can we stop with the Isekai? Like, I think it just would have been funny as this like a knight fell asleep and died in his sleep and then came back as a skeleton. And I, like the, the visual look for this for this character is so amusing to me this giant set of armor and sword and then there's a, ske- a skelly head <laughs> um and it ha- and uh, granted the trailer that we saw had a few kind of moments where it's like ugh, like power fantasy moments just because it's like oh i'm going to save someone who's getting attacked by thieves and we know what the thieves are doing <laughs> but um I think it looks kind of fun. It looks promising. Yeah, at least at least the one thing I can say is that the trail, like the like the animation in the trailer, looks gorgeous. Um, so, you know, the th- the thing about Japanese trailers is, um, like we can we we can only tell you so much because they te- they they give you so little to work with, but. As as long as the anime, as long as the writing is good, um, if it, if it's meant to be a comedy, the the jokes deliver, um, and the action's good, it's it, it's going to be it's going to be enjoyable as long as it has the right ingredients. Right, right. I I guess it's just like because isekais are so popular still right now, and with stuff like jobless reincarnation starting to really get the ball rolling and such that that's not going to stop anytime soon. I, I just wish there was just like, just make a fantasy anime. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, so our second one, light novel adaptation getting an anime in October is called the far away paladin. The plot synopsis says in a city of the dead long since ruined and far from human civilization, 
lives a single human child. His name is Will, the most fantasy of fantasy names. And he's being raised by three undead, the hardy skeletal warrior Blood, the graceful mummified priestess Mary, and the crotchety spectral sorcerer Gus. The three pour love into the boy and teach him all they know. But one day, Will starts to wonder, who am I? Will must unravel the mysteries of this faraway dead man's land and unearth the secret pasts of the undead. He must learn and the love and mercy of the good gods and the bigotry and madness of the bad. And when he knows it all, the boy will take his first step to, on the path to becoming a paladin. I promised you it's going to take a while, but I'll tell you everything. This is the story of the deaths of many heroes. It's the story of how we died. And it's the reason you grew up here. By the, by, the, by the way, we did not plan to talk about two anime that happened to have a giant skeleton. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, just it happens. It's like how we had three or four Bigfoot films. They just kind of happened within the same span of time. <laughs> um, and... It looks interesting. Um, you know, Buta is directing the anime, and even though I'm a little worried since he was they, you was behind my my Asetsu opening act from the uh, fall 2020 anime season, the oh, AK, the comedy oh, one. But I'm um, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt just because. I just don't think there was ever going to be a way for that show to work, especially with the team that they had or the time. <laughs> but um, because I like how this show looks, I think it looks fairly pretty from the trailer. And I just love the idea that it's like this boy's had a fa- had an quirky family of a skeleton, um, a, a mummified priestess and a crotchety spectral sorcerer. <laughs> Yeah, it's it it's it's a weird combination, but um, kind of like what I said with the with the last trailer. Um, you know, um, the 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 other problem with reviewing uh, Japanese trailers is they don't often come with subtitles, so all we can really gauge is how the how the animation looks. Um, you know. Um, we like we can, we can only guess what the what the style and tone is going to be. All all I know is that um, you know the designs look look interesting. Um, this this doesn't sound like an isekai, so that's all that's already a a, a plus one. Right, right. No, um, we'll have to see. We'll we'll probably be watching it during the fall twenty twenty season. So. <laughs> I mean, 2021 season. Ugh. Time means nothing right now. <laughs> so our final trailer for tonight before we talk about the Annies um, is that Studio 4C put out a full trailer for Nikuko of the Fishing Harbor or Gyoko no Nikuko-san. And man, Ayumu Watanabe is directing it who directed Children of the Sea. It's being produced at Studio 4C. And I can't wait for this film. I, I like. I think it would be insane not to get this one over here in the states. Um. Yeah. I. I agree. Um. 
I, I, I still deeply regret not seeing um, Children of the Sea in theaters, but um, you know, if you're if you're looking for some if you're looking for something out of the box to watch, um, check out Children of the Sea on Netflix and just um, just gaze upon the incredibly beautiful animation and. Um, well, while this one seems a lot brighter, it's, you know, it's just as it's, it looks like it's going to be just as, um, as incredibly well-crafted because Studio 4C doesn't know how to, um, how Stop to, it. yeah, they, they, they don't, they don't know the definition of undercook. No, it's like. You know that term saying like, you know how you're at an 11? I need you at like a five. Studio 4C is like, so you want us at an, at an 11, but, but so wait, you're saying that we're at, a, at 11, but you want us to go to 15? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, because that's how it works because this animation is so fluid and just pretty looking and the expressions, especially for Nikuko and just cartoony and the designs are being done by the same person who designed the characters for Tokyo Godfather. Oh, that's see this, this is, um, does it, does it have a release date for Japan yet? Um, I think it's in, let's see. I, I think it's July, but. Oh wait, I uh, I have it here. No, it's June. Yeah. June, June 11th. Oh, wouldn't this be great if this was at Annecy this year? Oh my god, that would that would be so cool. That would be so great. And to watch it in G Kids, you better freaking get this one. <laughs> yeah, either G Kids or, or uh, Shout Factory. Just someone, please bring this over. Oh, like, oh man, and yeah, like Annecy has a date, and we're gonna maybe talk about it. Uh, like, do another preview thing, and then watch it again because they're doing online and such. And uh, just hopefully it's watchable. <laughs> yeah, uh, de- details for that pending. But for now, let's take a step back and talk about the year that was. Um, well, first this- of all, let's talk about the Annies. Well, yes, we'll 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 do that. That's that's part of our our 2020 wrap up. So this year um, is was the uh, the 48th um, annual Annie Awards. And we'll 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 kind of breeze through uh, these categories. Um, do you want to talk about some of the um, individual achievements first? Yeah, let's uh, talk about them first. Um, and so, like, for uh, let's see, best feature, uh, we had. Oh, what was it? Uh, Shoot, sorry. Here we go. Uh, oh, um, sorry. Hey. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about it. So, uh, the features nominees were Onward, Soul, Crude to New Age, Trolls World Tour, and The Willoughby's. And to no surprise, guess who won? The same the same movie that's won like all the other major awards. 
Yeah, the Willoughby's. Oh no, wait, sorry. Uh, Saul. Not that. Not a dig at the Willoughby's. I still love that movie. Um, but yeah, Saul won best feature, and for best indie feature, we had a Sean the Sheep movie, Carmen uh, Farmageddon. I was gonna say Carmageddon, and it's like that. That would have been a way different Sean the Sheep film if you're a gamer. You probably know about uh, Carmageddon. Um, Calamity Jane, Angaku R Sound, Ride Your Wave, and Wolfwalkers. And, well, obviously, Wolfwalkers won. <laughs> um, what, what are your thoughts about these two winners first? The, the winners on the main awards. Um, I think, well, it's not, it's not a surprise because, nope. um, I think I think one of the reasons why, despite um, despite Apple being as big a name as they are, um, I think the reason why um, I'm assuming G Kids um, campaigned Wolfwalkers for independent feature because they knew they knew they had no shot against Soul. So this this was just this was kind of like the Annie's way of, of uh, spreading the wealth. Yeah, no. Um, that's why it kind of bugged me a little that people are saying like, Oh, G kids has no horse in this race. And it's like, yeah, they do. They help distribute wolf walkers. And they like, I think G kids, it, it, it's like G kids and cartoon saloon are kind of like a package. <laughs> like you like cartoon saloons making a movie. Well, G Kids has to be a part of it. So, um, and let's see. Best special production goes to the snail and the whale from Magic Like Pictures. I saw this during uh, the New York International Children's Film Festival, and it was really delightful. This I love this studio. They have a very distinct CGI look that looks all stop motion and such. And it, it, it's very cute. I, I love that stuff. Um, is, 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 it, is that available um, to the public yet? That I short? don't. I think so. I'm not entirely sure. I hope it is because Magic Light Pictures may, has like such a charming little uh, filmography. Um, and then uh, Best Meet TV and Media for Children went to Hilda. Nice. For Chapter 9, for chapter nine The Deer Fox. Yeah, that was a good that was a good episode. Um and then for best TV media for general audience, though I guess I kind of at, want them to define general audience for Gindy Tartakovsky's Primal for their episode Coven of the Damned. Um, so so I don't know I don't know if you watched um the actual presentation, but um what one thing I thought was funny is um, Gendy Tarakovsky won two awards um, that night. He won he won for for um, best animated uh, television program, but then he also won best director for television. So um, his his acceptance speech was, you know, it it was it was him take, taking a shower, <laughs> and then opening the yeah. door like. I, I think it was like his wife or something was saying like, honey, you just, you just won the Annie. And he's like, Oh, uh, well, I want to thank all the people 
um, you know, the usual, the usual stuff, but <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that bit and that, that was great. But I, I just say this because primal, like, I don't know if general audiences would be a good way to define just how just adult primal is, but man, that was a good episode. I mean, all the episodes are all pretty good. I can't really think of one that's like so far out of the two the the episodes we've seen. That's like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> like th- this one, it, this is one of those episodes because you know the whole thing about Primal is that it's all quiet. There's very little, if any, dialogue. So it's all the story is all told through the emotions and the movements of the characters and. Just just watch Primal on HBO Max. That's my early recommendation. Watch Primal. <laughs> I think all the episodes are up now. So nice. I as as soon as I can, I'm definitely checking that out. So f- we also have best uh, visual effects for TV media for Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. That's interesting, but you know I I like that show. I'm starting to like that show more. So Se- season season two is is really good yeah um and yeah no um and season three is next month so well oh have wow. to watch yeah I, I, I forgot it's come it's coming up uh i've been drowning in anime so excuse me sorry for forgive me if we're not talking about it we also still have to watch like tig and seek part two and such um so, uh, best character animation for TV and media goes to Hilda, which, of course, Hilda, yeah. Uh, best character animation feature goes to Soul, which I there was a little bit of a heated debate about Soul and Wolfwalkers, but for me, it's like you can't go wrong with either one. This this isn't a 2012 situation where Brave was obviously not the best film to win the awards and such honestly even 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 like i was thinking like it's really close between between soul and wolf walkers for for this award and and wolf walker still pulled pulled like five uh awards out of the annies so it's not like they left with just one (laughs) um then we have of course stuff like uh best character design for amphibia is the shut-in uh, we have best character design for features for Wolf Walkers. See, yep, there we uh, go. Best direction for TV media. We have Genny Tartakovsky's Primal for Plague of Madness. That's yeah, also that, a good one. That, w- that was the second, the second award. Yeah, and then uh, best direction for features was Wolf Walkers for Tom Moore and Ross Stewart. Which, yeah, I agree. Same. Not, not nothing against Pete Doctor or Kim Powers. It's just Wolf Walkers, man. I mean, in Soul, just. Really, again, you can't go wrong. Um, let's see. Then there's best music from uh, for a feature for Soul. You know, big shock. Uh, uh, before before we move forward, I want to give a shout out to the winner of best achievement for music in television, um, Kevin Kevin Kiner for uh, Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Um, I've I've listened I've listened to a little bit of Kevin Kiner's work in uh, Star Wars Rebels. And yeah, he really, he really is the heir apparent to, uh, to John Williams. Yeah, that makes sense. 
And um, uh, let's see, we also have best production design for a feature, with it, which is Wolf Walkers, which, yes, I mean, come on. <laughs> um, if you're, if you're a uh, Channel Awesome fan, well, you shouldn't be anymore, but um, you, might, you might know the name of the winner for best achievement for storyboarding in an animated television uh, production, Andrew Dickman um for looney tunes cartoons i i think i think this is uh th- th- this is this is a big deal for him um you know consider considering where where he kind of got his start um uh, you know doing doing commissions for other content creators and now yeah, he, yeah. and now he's moved on to you know the big leagues yeah and well, and it's for the specific duo, Big League Beast and Firehouse Frenzy. I remember Firehouse Frenzy being probably my favorite short from the first batch of Looney Tunes shorts. Oh Just yeah, because... those, those were those were good ones. Yeah, and then of course, best storyboarding for a feature is Soul. Which, yes, I mean, come on, with some of those sequences, I'm sure that was like, how do we storyboard this? <laughs> And uh, this is one of my favorite best voice acting for a feature for Wolf Walkers, Ava Whitaker as Mabe O'Mactier. You have you have no idea how happy I was to see to see her take that award. She's so good, and it's like, I mean, it, it's just you know a lot of good talent from this year, but I think Mabe was a very crucial part of wolf walkers and seeing her like Ava Whitaker take, like take on such different emotions and very rough emotions too. Like it was really good. Like, I mean, wolf walkers is the best animated film of 2020. So of course, um, best writing for TV and media, big mouth for the new me. That's interesting. I guess the show came out at the, the right time to get nominated because I think it came out like only like a few months ago. Um, I forgot to say. I, I, th- I, th- I think it was like right, like like the last quarter of 2020. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, let's see. And then best writing for a feature, Soul, which... Listen, if you don't like Soul, I understand. There are definitely some elements that need to be discussed more. But the fact that a Disney and Pixar animated film went this philosophical, went this heady, is so impressive out of a mainstream U.S. animated feature. Agreed. Like, like say what you will. The fact that it went that direction and and like for everyone saying like I want something different from my animated features, well, this is what it looks like again. Um and I mean, do you have any others that you want to talk about? Um let's see, we can we can talk about um outstanding achievement for editorial for television. Um we have Hil- we got Hilda. So um, Hilda Hilda Shum's Odyssey and Lamp Life won the most out of the television awards, which is kind of cool. They they each yeah. won uh, three. Right. 
and Hill, well, Hilda's just was one of the best shows from like 2018. So, <laughs> um, and then, uh, let's see the June four-way award for Daisuke, uh, Daisuke Daisutsumi. Um, very big deal, very big name in animation. Um, and then that, uh, I think you saw this uh, commentary for Howard. Um, yeah, How- Howard um, was a, a Disney Plus documentary that came out um, last year that's pretty, pretty, mu- pretty much like a direct follow-up to um, Don Hahn's other Disney documentary, Waking Sleeping Beauty. And man, this, this, this one is just, is just so freaking good. And I'm so happy that um, Don Hahn um, won the, uh, the Special Achievement Award for this. Yeah. And um, I just realized that I, I'm very familiar with Shroom's Odyssey. That it, this is a very good short or TV short, whatever, however you want to describe it. Um, so, like, overall, what did you think about the Annie wins? Um, like, like I said earlier, the, the, like, the big prizes were absolutely not surprises at all. No. But, you know, like, the individual achievements, I thought, I thought, um, were distributed um, for the for the most part pretty fairly. Yeah, I think that's fair. But I think Soul and Wolfwalkers took away basic, essentially the same number of awards. <clears throat> um, Soul yeah. Soul edged out Wolfwalkers by two. Eh, that's uh, not that bad. It's it's still I think it, I think it's still fair, um, like for for both of them. Yeah, no. Um, I thought that I thought it went pretty well, and yeah, I think Primal and Hilda deserved those awards. Oh, absolutely. And it was just nice to see a, a cartoon saloon lead character win the voice acting one. Because so, I know uh, the one for the breadwinner um, was nominated last time in 2017. And I was a little bummed that she didn't win, even though she was really good. Um, Speaking of Cartoon Saloon, um, what we, ha- we haven't talked about um, was um, Best Sponsored Production. Um, apparently, they, they did some sort of, some sort of like commercial short called There's a Monster in My Kitchen. Oh, yeah. This, this is a very good uh, advertising. It's like, you know, against... I mean, like, it's a tough su- topic because it's a, uh, yeah, a Jaguar's forest home is being burned to to grow animal feed for the meat industry. If we don't act, more precious habitats will be destroyed. So, uh, yeah, so, I mean, obviously, no wonder why Tom Moore and his team took on this this challenge because Tom Moore and his beliefs and such. Yeah, he's he's all he's all about uh, preser- preserving the wildlife and veganism. Um, which is not like I, I'm not saying this as like a jab or anything. It's just like it, because it's it's it, it's like oh Miyazaki has a female lead that's strong and powerful. That's not a shock. <laughs> like oh Tom Moore and his team made a 
a uh, short uh, to talk about anti-deforestation and, you know, cut down on eating that meat. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no kidding. Um, but I, I, I think overall the Annie's were good this year. I wish Calamity didn't run this year. I wish it ran for 2021. Though seeing how 2021 is going right now, uh, I, I think Calamity was just kind of stuck in a rock in a hard place. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but hey, what are you going to do? Yeah, hey, at least we're going to be uh, talking <clears throat> talking about, like, you know, it's. I think it's still coming out this year, um, just waiting for the announcement to happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm patiently waiting, but yeah, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah. For now, though, it is time for the first official Renegade Animation uh, Look Back and Award Show for the year 2020. Uh, insert, like, horn sequ- like music here, just, like, celebrating or whatever. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're going to finally put an axe into uh, 2020 and let let it to let it rest and such so um so let's talk about like the let's first list for at least what i consider the films of 2020 so so for me i saw 38 films like animated films and these were from like all over the world and such we have wolf walkers soul ride your wave over the moon onward Lupin the Third to First, On Gakuar Sound, The Crudes, A New Age, The Willoughbys, Birthday Wonderland, or as it's just known here, The Wonderland, The Nose, uh, Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, Sheehy, which finally got a U.S. release uh, last year, Trolls World Tour, Animal Crackers, Number 7, Cherry Lane, Superman, Man of Tomorrow, Red Shoes and the Seven Dwarfs, we finally got a U.S. release of Twilight, not the vampire movie, an anime movie. My Favorite War, a, uh, a Dog's Courage, or it's also known as The Underdog, A Whisker Away, we finally got Summer Days with Coup, Justice League Dark, Apocalypse War, Scoob, Mortal Kombat Legends, Scorpion's Revenge, Kill It and Leave This Town, Manu the Swift, The Last Fiction finally got a U.S. release. Uh, Dragon Quest, Your Story, Superman, Red Sun, Nino Kuni, Henchman finally got a U.S. release, Latte and the Magic Waterstone, Pokemon, Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution, Fearless, Pets United, and The Accidental Luxuriance of the Translucent Watery Rebus. Jeez, you think with all the film delays, we barely have anything to talk about. <laughs> Look, looking looking at your list, um, I'm surprised that Mewtwo Strikes Back and uh, and Dragon Quest Your Story were 2020. Yeah, they came out the year before, but they got official. And these are all like again, all, a lot of these are official U.S. releases, and I count them because I'm like I'm like that, and it's just like, hey, we finally got a release for it. So, and yeah, and for a while, like. Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution sat at the very bottom because I was like, okay, so they just pulled a uh, a Lion King 2019. 
with this movie. So, <laughs> so um, overall, what did you think about the theatrical animation scene of 2020? I th- I think o- overall this has been a, uh, I th- this this is like, so in 2019 I call I called that like, like the year for heavy metal music. I think 2020 was a, sim- a similar the year for animation, if you if you know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> it was definitely a weird year because it was a mix of like, because a pandemic just hit everything to a just a halt. A lot of films got delayed, and then there was just kind of like, how do we distribute these movies? We need to make some money but what do we do? <laughs> because, you know, nobody really, I mean, despite some doing well in theaters during the pandemic, what do you do? <laughs> and this was like when virtual theaters and streaming service took play, like took hold. And of course, like this is when like soul got moved to Disney plus, even though it's also getting a physical Blu-ray release. And then, like, Apple Plus had Wolf Walkers, and Netflix had The Willoughby's and Over the Moon. And then, like, I would say this is one of the stronger years, or not as strong of a year for G-Kids, but one of their better years, just because they had uh, On Gaku R Sound, Lupin the Third to First, and Ride Your Wave. I think think this might be their biggest year, because, um, well, like, like, like I said earlier, Apple is a like Apple is a big name. So most most people, if if they watched Wolf Walkers on Apple Plus, they they did it because um, either they have they did like the one week free trial, or you know they're you know Apple fanboys and they'll just they'll just consume everything. Yeah, and uh, oh yeah, Netflix also had like uh, Animal Crackers, and Universal was one of the few successful, or DreamWorks was one of the few successful studios last year with The Crew to New Age being one of the most financially successful films of that of last year, and then uh, Trolls World Two, where apparently did well with its premiere on demand release, um, and. The DC film universe went through kind of a like a growing phase because it had an adaptation with Superman Red Sun and then it ended its current DC cinematic universe with Justice League Dark Apocalypse War but then it was reborn like a phoenix with Superman Man of Tomorrow um and then it's like really the the uh, foreign animation scene had a few interesting films like Kill It and Leave This Town and uh, My Favorite War and uh, I forgot to put it on here but Old Man the Movie. <laughs> um, and I thought it was an overall good one but still very like it could have been amazing because we would have also gotten Raya and the Last Dragon and the Mitchells versus the Machines, but now that got pushed to 2021. So, <laughs> and what it wasn't Bombay Rose also supposed to come out um, last year as well. 
oh yeah it was and then got pushed away because then it got because <laughs> they didn't want to compete with soul but then they had to compete with Rhea. <laughs> oh that's that's unfortunate uh that's why people don't like disney they have like all the best spots and then it's like well shoot we hope that they like it but we'll have to see <laughs> um so and i think those were like like i said i think the trends were that the virtual theater experience happened like a lot of film festivals went online that's how many people were able to see on sound and wolf walkers yep and then uh, Netflix had a big year with the Willoughby's, Animal Crackers, and Over the Moon. Um, and, and just and just speaking personally, um, oh, oh, and, and Sean the Sheep Farmer get into so. yes, and Sean the Sheep. Um, speaking personally, because of this podcast, I have I have um, like pretty exponentially um, expanded my um expanded my animation palette um by exploring films from around the world and i hope i hope that in the future um you know even as the world gets put back together that um like organizations behind festivals like annecy um continue to I, I guess moving forward, it would be like simul like simulcasting. Um, you know, they'll do they'll do the festival virtual, but you also have the option to be there in person. I think that would be a good thing to do because why not open up your audience? Like I know there's a lot of legal and copyright work, which is why I assume most uh, anime films from last year that got delayed or or the ones that didn't go to a streaming service just had to be like they couldn't show them in the u.s for some reason because that's i was so sad when we didn't get to see uh seven uh seven days war um from annecy but thankfully that i forgot what festival had on gaku R sound uh i think um, i think that was like a um like japan japan film society uh, yeah, so I was really happy to see on Gakuar Sound. And then, of course, I got into the screener game and was able to watch Lupin the Third, the First, and uh, Over the Moon and Soul. And then uh, the Toronto International Film Festival was able to give us Wolf Walkers, which was like the best 20 bucks I spent last year. <laughs> Same. <laughs> um, and I just think, like, yes moving forward as the world is put back together i would still like these options to be available just to give everyone access so it's like do you want to go to a theater okay you can but give people or like you want to fly out and go to a festival you can but give other people who may not be able to attend a festival or a theater a chance and like I mean, I understand the price points for these like premiere on demands prices are insane, especially for like 30 bucks. Yeah. Even though, even though you could still argue like, well, you'd be spending 30 bucks anyway at a theater. <laughs> um, and just, you know, get a film party set up or whatever, have people Venmo you to cash or whatever. Um, and 
for the for one of the few th- films that was worth talking about from the Lionsgate release, I was pretty happy to see that Red Shoes and the Seven Dwarfs was actually not terrible. Yeah, not not terrible is probably is probably the highest compliment I can give that, that film. Well, honestly, I keep kind of thinking back to it and I keep enjoying it more and more. I mean, it's not going to move up or down my list, but I keep think, having more positive thoughts about it than uh, than when we were talking about it. And I think also watching something like Charmed or Charming and, uh, and just kind of going through the Shrek thing stuff was just kind of like, yeah. Yeah, no, Red Shoes actually wasn't that bad. Like, I know you weren't probably as big on it as I was, but uh, like, I, I think all things considered, especially with that, what what this film went through production wise, like, I still enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think, like, the more, like, the more I sit on it, the more, like, like, the more enjoyment I can. I can like get out of it, but um, I, 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 it's not, it's not, it's not a movie that I will be revisiting anytime soon. That's just no, it's it's that one that will come up from time to time where it's like, yeah, let's watch it, um, that kind of thing. So this is our first time doing a fe- a award thing, so it's this isn't like set in stone. I kind of went off of kind of like what I like to do for award stuff and kind of like what the Annies do. Um, so let's start from the very bottom because let's, let's get the negative out of the way. Good idea. And at first I was like, ah, do we want to do a worst one? But then it's like, no, I mean, it's like, no, we shouldn't just let's keep it positive. But (laughs) some of these films, like who knows when we're going to talk about them again. So, Mike, what was your choice for the worst film of 2020? My worst film, um, because I didn't see nearly as much as as you did. Uh, the one that stayed at the bottom of my list for the longest time was Fearless. Um, it was a movie that just got dumped onto Netflix. Um, that there's. <sighs> I'm the fact the fact that I'm struggling to even come up with words to describe this movie tells you exactly how little an impression it made. Yeah, I, it's not great. It's probably Vanguard's worst film, and they don't already they already don't have a stellar lineup, and that's kind of sad when you can say Charming is their quote unquote best film because it feels the most cohesive. This one just feels like we got to make something. And, and, it, I, and it probably has some of the laziest of voice acting that I've ever, that I've ever heard from, um, you know, from a, at, at least from a like 3D animated film. Yeah, no, it's the voice acting was not good. And I kind of wonder if this thing just had a terrible production cycle just nothing like they couldn't do anything like whatever they could do was never in the cards for them fearless was my runner up for this 
and so was like Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution. But my worst choice was <clears throat> Accidental Luxuriance of the Translucent Watery Rebus. It's hard to kind of consider this an animated film because it doesn't feel like one. It feels like a bunch of phone filters shoved onto live action um, footage, but then it's like, oh, but we rotoscoped it. So it's like, ah, but they consider it animation. And is this, is this, is this one of those, um, like, kind of like how you described Kill It and Leave Town, the um, pretend the pretentious art school project that just happened to be seen by a, by a white audience. It's that film that I like to describe as, okay, so you want the most non-studio looking or approached film. You want something that's directly from the artist and is not as approachable. Like it's like the least approachable animated film. Well, you got it right here at least Kill It and Leave This Town had an interesting dreamlike element to it. Even though I was not a huge fan of the film either, I thought it was really boring and kind of hard to follow with its dreamlike logic. But at least Kill It and Leave This Town has an identity to it and a tone that's easy to follow. Accidental Luxuriance, it was hard to follow. I had to look at the plot and whatever articles there were for it i was like wow i'm congrats to y'all that you were able to approach this film better than i could <laughs> oh wow yeah and i kind of i fell asleep while watching it for the first time so i had to wake up and rewind to where i was and then it's just like after when i like watched through what i slept through it's like oh my god i just can't with this movie um because at least like Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution is a little more fun to talk about because it, you have another film to compare it to. And with, you know, the original Pokemon movie. Um, but yeah, Accidental Luxuriance is my pick for the worst. Um, now, uh, our next category is most disappointing film. Um, for, for my choice, um, my my runner my runner up was going to be a whisker way because I I remember our conversation from an earlier episode that you know the it like the first half of that film like does not help you at all like getting you invested in these characters um you know I I, I think I think we use we use the word like the word stalker way too many times in that review. <laughs> we did. And even though that's what the girl does. <laughs> um, and all of the interesting stuff happens, you know, in the back in, in the in the back half. And by that by that point, by that point, like I've ar- like we've already had a hard time getting invested. So we like um had had the film been more focused on like you know um the like the tr- like the the cat tree world i would have liked this a whole lot more um but i think my most disappointing film which i still i still it, like enjoyed somewhat 
was Scoob. Um, and the reason why this is the most disappointing is because, you know, this had this had the most potential and it had a pretty big chip on its shoulder that it was sort of the start of Warner Animation's Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe. Now, who knows if they're if they're still going to try to make that a thing, but I think the reason why this was, you know, disappointing was because a, um, uh, I had they, um, you know, had had they kept like the, um, like the like the um, contemporary voice cast instead of hiring celebrities. I think I think the film would have would have um, been received a lot better, um, but uh, but also just the story the story just didn't it didn't feel like like a traditional Scooby Doo film. And when you have like fifty years of references, to, like to compare this film to, especially with like Zombie Island and such, it falls flat. It's not really a Scooby-Doo movie. It's a Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe starter. And the other, and the other reason why, um, looking back now, I find it to be my most disappointing film of the year is because after this, um, um, the uh, my my friends at the PJ Campbell Network did watch-alongs for uh, for the two live-action films. And, you know, say, say what you will about, about those at like, they, they, they may be worse from a filmmaking perspective, but at least, at least they have the essence of what makes Scooby-Doo tick. Yeah, no, those films are pretty okay. I, I just think behind the scenes stuff ruined those films. Especially oh, of, with, of, of course. Yeah. No, um, Scoob was my runner up. But I, I had to give it to a whisker away because no matter what we could say about Scoob, especially after all that concept art came out oh about Scoob, and it was like a better movie in general or looking movie in general, mm-hmm. um, a whisker away was my most disappointing just because it was a Studio Colorado film, which did Penguin Highway, which was one of my favorites from 2019. And Mario Kata wrote the script and she did Machia, When a Promised Flower Blooms, which was one of my favorite films of 2018. And I just really couldn't get past the stalker aspect of this girl. And I, I rewatched it recently and the, the English dub cast is great. And I like the villain and I like the undertones of the whole changing into a cat representing depression. And the dialogue in the cat tree and such, but it it's just a reminder that even foreign animation has their disappointments, bad films, and duds. Oh, of course. Like I know it's like I I like I follow foreign animation, and I'm always like, man, there's always all these cool projects. The U.S. animation scene needs to get good, but it's also like. There, there's a lot of the same thing. It's just because like a film can come from anywhere and that means a good, a great, an okay, a disappointing and a bad film can come from anywhere. Um, one, one, one thing 
we, we, one thing we want to try to, um, we want to try to accomplish um, on this network is to, um, to demystif demystify um, foreign and, and indie filmmaking. Um, you know, there like every, every, every film has an equal opportunity to be good or bad on their own merits. Right, right. And it, it's just like judge movies on their own merits. Don't try to drag one down to raise another up or like put down another one. It's just, uh, just judge them as they are, as their own thing. So um, now we'll get to talk about, and who knows how long this one will be here. What was the saddest film delay? All the, like out of all the promising films that got delayed to this year that are now going to be available. Mike, uh, what was, I, we, I mean, granted we have the same one. So <laughs> what was our saddest film delay? Um, well, I'll, 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 I'll use its, um, its former title. Um, con I, I was really bummed when Connected was removed from the 2020 slate. But on the positive side, I was thrilled when Mitchell, the Mitchells versus the Machines was announced to, um, to premiere on Netflix. Yeah, no, uh, I can't say anything about the film, but, uh, um, but don't, yeah. Don't, the, don't worry, by the time this episode goes up, um, the embargo will have lifted. Yeah, yeah, but... Yeah, no, I'm very happy that we got, we finally got confirmation of when it was coming out and Netflix helping out. And I think Sony's still going, is going to be able to uh, put it on Blu-ray. So I definitely want that. Um, so our next ones, these are just more fun little things like our most anticipated films for the rest of the year of 2021, since we've seen so many of the ones that we were already anticipating um mike let's go for you first because we i know what your most anticipated streaming exclusive film is um i'll i'll say i'll say this my runner-up is is luca because um you know that that is going to be a disney plus exclusive but my number one and i am totally not jealous that people have already seen this um the mitchells versus the machines yeah no uh, that's a runner-up um for me mine is luca because and to get this out of the way this is also my most anticipated mainstream film for the rest of 2021 just because luca seems like everything i've wanted to see in a uh a uh, pixar film to take on like a more Gib low-key Ghibli style and story and such. And it just looks like everything I, I would want. Um, and um, and it just looks great. I'm still super charmed by the uh, uh, the trait the teaser that we got. Um, yeah, that that uh, that te that teaser looked fantastic. Yeah. So next up, 
our most anticipated foreign slash indie film for the rest of 2021. We're going to cheat because we don't have just one <laughs> because this is going to be a super strong year for foreign animation. Um, I, I, I was tempted to, to write um, literally the entire, <laughs> literally the entire foreign animation slate. I don't blame you. Um, it's but, just because- but if I had, if I had to narrow it, narrow it down to two, uh, my number my number one is Bell because I like every time I, I put on that that trailer, I'm 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 like I'm wishing that I had the power to, you know, to like push push time forward so we're closer to the release date. And then my number two is uh Inuo because last year was the year that I became a Masaki Yuasa fanboy. Yeah, and that's and that's before watching um, his TV his TV series whose name I can't remember off off the top. Uh, of Japan sinks. Um, well, Japan sinks, but I was actually talking about. Um, or is it like Devil Man Cry Baby? No, uh, or... the, uh, the Tatami Galaxy. I'm, oh yeah, that. Yeah, as soon as soon as I watched that, um, then after. Yeah, after that and watching a few more of his of his uh, his projects, I will I will have seen everything and I will be more enriched. Yeah, yeah. My choices were Bell, Nikuko at the Fishing Harbor, and In You All. Just because, like Bell, I'm a Mamoru Hosoda stan- uh, fan. Nikuko of the Fishing Harbor. I'm a Studio 4C fan and a huge fan of the director who did Children of the Sea. And then and you all because it's Masaki Yuasa and it's his last film for now. And the preview I saw at Annecy looked great. Um, mm, yes. And Yuasa is just one of those great and progressive uh, directors who's willing to like experiment and bring in other talent to help. He's 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 one of those filmmakers where, you know, it's it's not enough to push to push the envelope. He like the 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 envelope has been just blown away. Yes, and same with uh, Mamoru Hosoda because you know Bell's going to have Cartoon Saloon helping out and 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 uh, and, a, and a Disney alum too. Yeah, so that it just it, it all sounds great to me. Now we have the most anticipated mainstream film of the rest of 2021. And I'll go first because it, like I said, it's Luca for me, just because it looks super charming. Uh, Yours is my runner up, but I want to see a little more of it before I like get on the hype train. I, I, I understand that. Um, I mean, and there are some others like uh, Wish Dragon look good, looks great, and uh, I know Net- and Netflix didn't talk about this because you know why what why why would they advertise something they they're putting on their service exclusively? Uh, New Gods, Neza Reborn, and uh, and such, but. Uh, and then, like, since we don't know if these are still happening for twenty twenty one. I didn't choose like my father's dragon or Pinocchio or Wendell and wild. Um, 
and and also v, like vivo is still kind of up in the air too yeah and uh and it's just like I, and don't get me wrong i'm kind of curious about boss baby back in uh, family business uh hotel transylvania uh sing too and i'm just wondering how the end product for spirit untamed is going to be or uh the adams family too it's just there are a few more films that i'm more interested in looking forward to like uh seeing a bit of harmony and such and it's all mostly from the foreign side of things so yeah um i i i think i'll, I'll be honest i de- i defaulted to encanto a because i knew luca would be your most anticipated um but also when when lynn manuel manuel uh, miranda is attached to a disney project there's a 95 percent chance it's going to be great um, I know we haven't really seen a lot yet, and we probably won't for another month or so. But um, all, all, already, I'm getting like I'm getting a good feeling about this. Yeah, no, it, I, I hope it's good, um, I, and I bet it'll be pretty good in general. Um, so now, best character designs, and I'm tied. Because I think Wolfwalkers and Soul had the best character designs. I just think like Soul had such great, like it was the next step for human designs for Pixar. And then the designs of like the the guides and uh, the the great before, and like how souls look and just how uh, when you're super obsessed with something, like when the soul goes like quote unquote evil and such. Uh, a lost soul, I guess. I think that's what they were called. I forgot. Yeah, lo- lost soul. And then with Wolfwalkers, I mean, <laughs> no shock. Cartoon Saloon has a great art direction and just the whole film and the designs are so distinct and it just looks great. <laughs> um, so I, I don't, I didn't, I see we didn't, we didn't, uh, we didn't have, we don't have a category for character animation. So um, I kind of I kind of agree with you that Wolfwalkers and Soul are kind of tied in that department. I'd I'd say character animation is where Soul kind of takes, um, it like I think Soul kind of takes the edge for, um, actually no I take that back. Soul takes the edge for design because, um, like you said, this this is probably Pixar's best uh, human human character designs um and also the like the sort of wiry uh like the wiry designs of um like the like the teachers and like that um and like you know the people in charge of the great before yeah is, is something like something you don't really see too often in in like um 3d animated films yeah. so i thought i thought that was kind of a cool a cool little incorporation of like 2d animation in like in a 3d feature um but as far as character animation goes um you know we 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 both saw the wolf walkers um preview from annecy and how oh yeah and how the 2d animation was just just out of this world Man, that sequence where they're running with the wolves 
oh, just mwah, perfect. And yeah, no, I think I have to agree. I think overall character animation, especially when they the bundle of the the wolf pack just runs as this one big wolf blob. Um, and then just that whole sequence and it, it, it just looks great. Uh, I mean, yeah, drop a nickel into the jar. I say it looks great again. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, I agree. I think that's pretty, It like it's the same the same for me so best writing we choose the film that had the best right like writing and my runner-up was wolf walkers and ride your wave but i'm gonna have to give it to soul because i i just i'm just so amazed pixar and disney like pixar said hey this is here's a dialogue and disney was like shoot Yeah, go, um, go Soul, Soul um, wins for writing. Um, you know, I I, I think I think um, what what made this film so work as well as it did is because, like, on the one hand, it kind of feel it kind of feels like it was it was written like, you know, a live action drama, but. Yeah. Um, but they balance that so well with, you know, um, like it, it's it's like Joe's Joe's arc was written like a like a live action drama, but Twenty Two's arc was written, you know, like a uh, like a standard Pixar film, and yeah, you know, this um, it it I I th- I think that. The thing about the script is it had it has sort of the prestige of an adult drama, but it has the imagination that only animation can bring to life. Yeah. Um and there were just some great moments. Like I love like when Joe asks the wiry frame mentor, uh saying like, Hey, so what was twenty two spark? It's like what? her spark like what was it it's like what 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 defined her it's like no <laughs> oh silly soul sparks don't make you like they don't define you and such and it's like that hits way harder than it you would think it like i don't know it's like the, the film kind of hit my soul a little <laughs> yeah I, I i feel you and then it just pulls off great humor with uh it's like oh hold on i've been messing with this team for years and it's like (laughs) and the knicks lose again (laughs) or like uh when joe's a cat or just like yeah like the the, like this this the the part where um where joe um just kind of like stretches out in the uh the um, sunlight that um as as a cat as a cat owner that that one got me (laughs) Yeah, and he's like, now come on, we gotta get to. The- oh my goodness, this feels amazing. <laughs> um, and um, and it's not like I didn't love Wolf Walkers' uh, dialogue. I think the writing in that film is also spectacular. I just think, it, I don't know. I can't describe it without it sounding negative, with just the whole uh, like, oh, uh. It's a little more traditional, I guess, even though it's like still written very well. Like, 
I think character writing goes to Wolfwalkers, but just like overall story writing goes to Soul, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. I'd I'd say I'd say um Wolfwalkers um Wolfwalkers has a more straightforward narrative, whereas Soul gets a little bit more esoteric. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. So um, now we move on to Best Supporting Actress. And uh, no shock, Ava Whitaker as Mabel Mactier. And even though she's like a lead in a way still, but she doesn't show up as much as Robin does. If, if, you, if you want to consider her a co-lead, I feel, I feel that's, more, that's more than fair. I think so too. Like, uh, really, it's like I couldn't really think of any other uh, leads, like support leads, off the top of my head because like Fujiko doesn't really have a whole lot to her from Lupin. Uh, the girlfriend from Angaku is pretty forgettable, uh, and the, the two friends from uh, Ride Your Wave are fine. Though I, I guess I would say like. Uh, Zhang Yi from Over the Moon would get Best Supporting Actress, like because she's more. I mean, she's a main part of the story, but also she 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 was she was my runner up. Like I was I was really struggling, like um like what whether or not I was going to have um Eva or um or Philip Sue as my um as my winner for uh, supporting actress, but. The, the thing about Eva Whitaker as uh, as Mabe is, you know, she she just had so much uh, like fiery charisma to her character, and I know that's kind of to be expected because because like she's a well, she's a um, she's a werewolf, but um, like a di- a different kind of werewolf. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, um, and, but, but yeah, um, yeah, no, I, I think that's pretty fair. Now for best supporting actor, um, you, you go first. Uh, for best supporting actor, I chose Sean Bean as, um, as the father of the protagonist, like the main protagonist from Wolfwalkers, he plays um, Bill Goodfellow, and it's 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 funny. Sean Bean is in in this movie. He's playing he's playing the role that that would have normally gone to um, uh, Brendan Gleeson. Right, right. <laughs> um, like, if, like if 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 you if you watch the entire um, like I like. Irish folklore trilogy back to back, like you like you would think that all of those characters are like are base are basically the same thing, um, but 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 the fact that Sean Bean still you know he still gives um, he he still like gives enough enough of like um, his his own take on on that, um, archetype, um, you know, it, it's, um, it's, 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 it's just a nice, 
like a like a nice um it, it it's it's a nice role for him and he and he didn't have to die <laughs> that's what i was gonna say it's like oh man uh, yeah it's, he's like you will give me a role and i'm not gonna die god dang it <laughs> yeah no i gave him this i he was my choice also i was trying to think of some other good male performances like i think uh Oh, what's his name? He's uh, the the little brother in Over the Moon. Oh, um, I know, I know, I, I know, I know his name. Uh, let's see, uh, Chin. Um, like I thought he was pretty good, just because I liked his dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I might have, I might have also given it to um Ken Jeong's character from Over the Moon as well. Yeah, because like even even though you think you think that kind of character would would be annoying um you know he like he 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 um he delivers some pretty uh some pretty uh poignant lines of dialogue um as the film progresses yeah yeah and like yeah no um but yeah there weren't that many um i liked uh uh I don't know. I'm trying to think like of some of the more other male supporting characters, like, um, but there weren't that many, or there weren't many that I would consider support role. Like uh, maybe, I mean, if you want to stretch it, Jigen as uh, Richard Epcar as Jigen from Lupin the Third to First, huh. um, because he's kind of support supporting, and I just love his line when uh, <laughs> he captures Fujiko and the girl, and then he intentionally moves out of the way for Lupin and he's like sorry I had my hands full (laughs) (laughs) um but um but yeah no I Robin I mean what I'm sorry what's the dad's name in Wolfwalkers um Bill Bill uh got my choice now for best female lead I know we kind of tied for this and there were a few good ones too like uh like I I was going to choose uh Let's see, what's her name? Uh, Kathy Yang as Fei Fei. Ooh, that's that, a, that is a that's a good one. That she's a runner up, and then uh, for ride uh, for ride your wave, I was gonna say uh, what what's her name? Uh, Merit Layton uh, as Hinakol was also really good, just because of like she had to deal with love, loss, and grow uh, learning to to move on. Um. And then, of course, uh, Emma Stone and Kelly Marie Tran in The Crudes A New Age. Like, I just thought they were great together. But, uh, yeah, I had to give it to the vo- the actress who plays Robin Goodfellow. Um, yep. Um, let's see. Honor uh, Neefsi. Yeah. I, that's... As as great as some of the other um, fe- like female leads were, um, I I I couldn't think of anyone anyone else um, who deserved the top prize than on than on our Nisi. Yeah, no, I I thought she's really good in Wolf Walkers. Just the best, uh, the best like individual like in that film. Well, the best lead performance of that film. And, uh, but now, yeah, let's move on. 
Uh, so we now have the last of the acting categories, best male lead. And this was a tough one too, because I love Tony Oliver as Lupin and he just never skips a beat. Um, I like Tom Holland and Chris Pratt and Onward. Um, Nicolas Cage was great at, in Crude's A New Age. Uh, Will Forte was pretty okay or was, oh, was good. I'll say he's better than his performance in Shaggy. Easily. Um, easily as the male, the lead from the Willoughby's. Um, but yeah, I have to give it to Joe Carpenter, uh, uh, Jamie Foxx for Soul. Um, yeah, Joe, I, I, I'm not sure if I'm ready to say this. Eh, screw it. I think Joe Gardner is one of Pixar's um, best uh, protagonists in uh, at, at, at least in the past decade. Yeah, I agree. And Jamie Foxx is just a good actor and I really enjoyed his performance. And again, he, he has to go through so many different emotions and he pulls them off very well. Yeah, like he he doesn't he doesn't play the character too over the top. He, uh, um, there there there's a lot of there's a lot of subtlety that he brings um, to the role, and I if 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 this is like one of his like one of his few uh, voice acting credits, I like I I think he um, he did an incredible job. Yeah, yeah, and. It, and I just love his interaction with the barber in Soul. In Soul and I like, uh, I mean, granted, I know Tina Fey took over a lot of that. But, um, but still, well, not actually, screw that. His best scene was when he's talking to his mother and just feeling like he's telling her, it's just like, if I don't get this chance, I feel like I'll live with regret. And just that talk talking moment but yeah and i also tell uh give a shout out to uh what's his name um let's see uh uh donnell rawlings as des for best supporting actor Ooh, good choice yeah because that barber scene that the barbershop sequence is just what one of the key moments in the whole story and um, and then just like I said, Joe, like Jamie Fox did pro- like probably one of his best performances with when he when Joe talked to his mom about doing the jazz performance mm-hmm. and such. And yeah, it's just it's just perfect. Um, so we now move on to a fun one because I think uh, this is a fun category to have. The best use of multiple styles of animation. And I have two choice. I have two that tied. I think the nose and over the moon, because over the moon has those gorgeous 2D sequences. Um, uh, yeah, I, I I actually kind of forgot um, about that, op- that opening sequence in over the moon, um, which... Um, yeah, that that op- that opening sequence is incredible. But um, the one the one that 
has been on my mind ever since I saw it. And I hope, I hope I can find it again on one of the various streaming services. Um, no, I, I don't think I've ever seen a film as, as, um, like distinct. As, yeah, as as distinct and ambitious as the nose. Yeah, with its mix of like two D hand drawn animation and it's like puppet like animation. It's like, a very like, dis- like the one like the one the one scene that like that stands out and I think I've told you this before. I wish there was a gif of it where like where the no the nose just says, You understand nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I want like I hope like G Kids or maybe that uh L A A F F uh I think it's called Laugh. It's like the Los Angeles Film Festival Animation Film Festival uh can pick that movie up because it's such a distinct movie. I know there's definitely a lot of cultural elements that are in the nose, but considering what we watched at Annecy, the nose was like one of the only things we could watch and one of the most approachable things uh like approachable films out of the batch and it was just so it's it's so different from everything else and it's look it's mix of visual styles is it was just stellar oh yeah so the, 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 oh, sooner, the sooner i get to watch that again the better yeah same um so next we have the best streaming ex- exclusive movie and for me, it's a tie between Over the Moon and Soul, just because I think they're both great in their own respective ways. And I just want to give some love to Over the Moon since they kind of lost out in the Annies. <laughs> that's that's fair. Um, I, I I I still I still love Over, Over the Moon. Um, and if if we were to disqualify Soul because you know because it, it was gonna it was gonna win our our top prize anyway, um, I I would have chosen Over the Moon as my number one. But now I think about it, I think Soul and Over the Moon, um, and technically technically Wolf well no Wolf Walker's got a a limited theatrical run. So yeah, um, I mean so some I did, of these uh, some of these films did get a limited theatrical run. I know some people saw Over the Moon, but I just mean like what was made specifically for the service. Like then 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 yeah, I would say Soul and Over the Moon are are tied in that in that respect. Right. I, agreed. Agreed. And it's just like it's just seeing Glenn Keane with his first directorial film. It's just it's just so cool that this is like if this is his first one, I want to see what he does next. And I hope he's still around to do that. So same. So next we have another one that I like because a lot of foreign animation doesn't directly come the year it's released to the U S sometimes it takes years for some reason for them to come over. So it's like the best, we finally got it film award. (laughs) This is like for the best foreign film released in the past its original release elsewhere but was now given a to us in the us of a for me it's a tie between um she he 
at, which was this Chinese stop motion film I saw at animation is film in 2019, which was this cool stop motion film about society with using shoes. And it's a film unlike anything you've seen in stop motion and something so drastically different from the Chinese animation scene that it, it, it just wowed me. So I was so happy to finally see that it got a release. And then uh, finally we got Animal Crackers. And I know after, it's not after, technically... After, yeah, after how many years of waiting? Like, let's see, it was supposed to come out in like 17, so 17, 18, so like four years of waiting. Jesus. Yeah. So it's like, finally, we got to see it. And I know it's not everyone's favorite film of the year, but I still very much enjoyed the writing and the story, despite its hiccups in some places. Uh, So that's that's for me, like, just because it's like, I want to support Animal Crackers as well, since that one kind of also didn't get anything from the Annie's. Yeah, um, that that was that was my runner up, and in in our show notes, I wrote, even though this technically is uh, isn't a foreign film, we still waited a very long time to see the damn thing. Pretty much. <laughs> um, but my number one is a film that I don't know. I don't know if it technically qualifies as a 2020 release, but um, but, but it, there were. There, there, there were vir- there were virtual screenings last year, so I finally got a chance to see Marona's Fantastic Tales, and oh boy, that 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 mo- that movie that movie is like I I said at the time th- this this movie is why I love animation, right? It's you know it it, it the the plot is. Um, you know, it's it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty dark when you think about it. It's it's <laughs> a it's a dog it's a dog sort of like reflecting on her life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I technically count it as a 2019 film, but that's also because I saw it in 2019. So it, it's like I think it like I I'm not gonna be like hard on you about that because it's like oh well it's a 2019 film so it doesn't count but it says uh it's a tw- it's a 2020 film for everyone else <laughs> and only fair. because and only because it it competed with the anim- the uh the oscars uh the same year of klaus and i lost my body so oh okay that that i i, I can i can see where there'd be a debate yeah, so that's the only thing, and that's why Children of the Sea is not on here, even though I won like most of my own personal awards. Um, because, like, I mean, come on, we've seen Children of the Sea; it looks freaking gorgeous. Um, but yeah, Morona won a few, won this very won the uh, multi multiple styles of animation award on my website from nice. last year. So because I mean. It's so distinct looking. There's not an animated film from last year that looks like, from that year year that looks like it. So yeah, it's it, it's truly one of a kind. Yeah. So now we have our category awards, best slice of life film, and we tied on this one 
but we cho- I chose on well we chose Angaku or Sound about three delinquents with not a lot of brain cells rubbing between them that just want to start a band one day. <laughs> I, I I still stand by my um my like my original uh, pull quote from this that this, this this is a move this is what you get when Kevin Smith makes an anime film pretty much it's it's so low-key it's the genuine example of a of an actual honest to goodness indie film from japan because it wasn't made by a big studio it didn't have like whatever money was thrown into it it took seven years to make and only cost apparently forty thousand dollars or so and 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 that and that it still looks good like for for such a um, small price tag is um, very, very commendable. Right. So best comedy. Uh, we had different ones. I chose on Gaku R sound just because it had more consistent laughs. Like I was still remembering the scene near the end where uh, the lead is leaving his house. And then the bullies that have done basically nothing throughout this whole film finally catch up with him and he's like so you're gonna either fight us or you're gonna destroy that guitar and then kenji just instantly destroys the guitar guitar and the bully's like oh wait 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 a minute (laughs) and it just makes me laugh or it's like i don't think kenji was in it in our band practice yesterday oh no he was he was keeping a rhythm with his butt and (laughs) or when they're walking down to go beat up some kids at a different school just one of the kids is like one guy uh, Kenji's gang is like, "Hey, uh, do do you know where the school is? No. <laughs> do you know where it is? No. <laughs> uh, I, I I think I need to rewatch um, on Gaku our sound again, um, because that it it feel, it feels like that's one of those movies that you know as you watch on repeat you'll like you'll pick up on more on more of the the jokes." Um, for for the record, that's that's my runner-up, but my choice, pure purely because of of its um, high concept, and also just WTF everything, old man the movie. I almost went with that one. I um, I didn't go with this one just because there were a few jokes. I was just like, eh, not a huge fan of those. I, I, I get it. There, jokes. There, there's a there's a few a few kind of like gross out moments that we didn't really need, but I think well, just it, I think just so on the whole, there. yeah, on it's it it it's kind of it's it has like the I don't know it's 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 a very it's a very Russian movie, but it's it's. It's one, it's, of, it's one of those movies where if I try to describe it to someone who is not really like familiar with foreign animation, yeah. like they like they they wouldn't believe what I was describing. And uh, to be clear, this film is from Estonia, which is from uh, which is a country in northern Europe. Um, so it's not fully in Russia. Oh, so. right. Um, that's that's a, that, that that's an important distinction. Yeah, but I no, but the but the comedy is so funny, like how this one town thinks this milk is like 
the milk of the gods, the blood of Jesus. And then, it, or it's like, there's little lines, like the little kid clapping his hands, being like, yay, death. <laughs> and, or it's just like, oh, the worst thing to ha- ever happened to the world, hippies. <laughs> or just a high concept of like, you better milk this cow or it'll cause a, a nuclear explosion. And it's like, I'm sorry, what? No, it, it's, I understand. It's so bonkers. Um, and, and just like the nose, I need, I need this movie to, to be released in some form or another. Yeah, no, I hope it gets some kind of U.S. release. I, I don't care if it's like Kino Lorber, Lieber or Lorber, I forgot how you say that distributor's name. It, just because it's like, it played at Fantastic Fest in the U.S., but who knows how many people were, who actually know, knew or watched that movie. So, so uh, let's move on to best drama. And we're not going to spend too much time on here because it's just like, it's the same two that are taking home most of the big awards. Uh, Soul and Wolfwalkers were my choice just because their drama is so distinct and different and it still hits hard. Like we said with Soul, there's a scene where Joe talks to, to his mom and then with Wolfwalkers, there's a scene where I think sums it up the best besides the two scenes with the two girls, the multiple scenes with the two girls. It's the, uh, it's the scene where Robin and her dad, that, that Robin's just like, why are you so afraid? Or like, why won't you let, let me do this? And he's like, because I'm afraid. And I'm afraid to know of what might happen to you if something happens to me. And it like it just they're both good they're they're dramas in the in some degree so that's why i chose those two so yeah um i basically echo everything you said um what one more time i'll, I'll repeat this um the the, re- the reason why soul would is is my number one is because um like it it it, fe- it feels like half of this script was written as, you know, a, you know, contemporary adult drama, but that it, like, that it so seamlessly blends, blends, like, you know, the more animated elements. Um, it, it, it just, it just has, a, it just feels like a, all, all together, it feels like a special package and as and as as for wolf walkers um i think i think the one like dramatic scene that that um like that hit me pretty hard um aside from you know that moment with robin and her father Uh it's it's like it's robin defend defending um mabe's mother from the villagers oh gosh yeah no, that's a good scene. So uh, let's move on to best action sequences. And I try to say, like, is, was there a very, dis- like, an honest-to-goodness action film? And technically, no. But, um, but um, for my, cho- my runner-up, I chose The Crude's A New Age just because DreamWorks has their animation down. And, and I like the stuff in Onward. If only it had some more consistency with how it works 
because a lot of people like to bring up and onward. It's like, so you need to say all these things before you said the magic word, but then later on, you just say the magic word. So. Um, I, I, I almost chose like onward as an, on, as an honorable mention because um, the, like that, that, um, that magic fight in um, like in the climax yeah. is like, I, 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 yeah. I think I think that that magic fight is probably better than anything we've seen in Harry Potter, which which usually usually those battles are just like two people standing there waving their wands at each other. This no, that's what, yeah. This had a little bit more um, energy to it. Yeah. Um, but for, but, but I'm but my real my 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 real runner up is you know because I'm the DC stan. Um, I had I had to give a shout out to Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, um, which is like, you know, it's the last film of the of the sort of New Fifty Two era. Um, so of course they were going to have all their, you know, all their characters from all the previous films coming together, right? Uh, for this like huge bombastic R rated uh like R-rated final showdown. But of course the number one had to be Lupin the Third, the first, because um you know we're when when it, when it comes to like 3D animation in Japan, um you and I have both been pretty critical of um of their previous efforts. Right. Um but I th- I think this this movie is where it looks the it looks the best. I agreed, agreed. I think Lupin Third's my official choice, and another runner up I had was Animal Crackers because of that climax with the. I that was that was my other honorable mention too. And uh, and the same with like the Superman film, so I didn't want to go the DC route just because it's like oh obviously I kind of like finding the the lesser known ones and that like there are good set action set pieces in wolf walkers but i wouldn't call it an action film um like but yeah loop in the third i mean there's the car chase there's the heist at the beginning there's the skydiving sequence there's the breaking into the temple and there's like really good action set pieces now uh best music uh, my choices are for soul and ongaku um on on gaku was my was one of my honorable mentions um because i do think i do think the music is well i think the music gets good in um dur- like during that um that third act yeah um but my choices were soul number one that's obvious um but the other one was over the moon um you know, it's 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 Glenn Clean um, Glenn Keane's director like directorial debut, and you know you know that he's a Disney alumni, so you know you know there's going to be there's going to be a musical element to to this film, and um, there's one song in particular that I literally had on repeat for like a like a solid month after I watched the movie. It's um. Philippa Sue's um, 
solo ultra. number. Uh, yeah, ultra, ultra, ultra luminary. Yeah. I I, I I swear that 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 song was stuck in my head for for like a straight month. Um, but that 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 just shows like um the power like the power of a good of a good song. Yeah, it's a very good pseudo antagonist or villain song. But it's not even a villain song. It's just um and yeah, um soul just with the jazz music and then the acoustic music. I I still love the Parting Ways song. Mm, and uh that's a good one. And the uh it's all right it's okay that plays at the end and of course just the piano music that's oh that's just where i like to be i think over the moon was a runner-up for me i think uh some of the songs i guess it it's more of a lyric thing for me than than anything else i still loved the music for over the moon all super catchy and uh christopher curtis Marjorie Duffield and Helen Park all did a great job along with Stephen Price who composed the overall music. And, but yeah, that's what I have to say about that. So a DC exclusive award, the best DC direct-to-video feature. We have different ones, you and I. Uh, My choice for the winner is Superman, Man of Tomorrow. Um. Yeah, man, man, tomorrow, man, tomorrow was good. Um, but I think mine was uh, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. I think if I wasn't so like hit and miss with the the modern DC animated universe, I would have chosen that. I also just can't help but intentionally laugh at the beginning of the film, where it's like Superman's like. We're gonna go to Apocalypse. We're gonna take down Darkseid, and uh, of course, everyone at Renegade Pop Culture kind of knows my joke about this. It's like when they get there, it's like we're gonna take you down, Darkseid, and then the narrator from Arrested Development pops up, and it's like it didn't happen. It didn't work, <laughs> or something like that. Just because it's like, geez, that is such a sudden shift into what actually happens next. And I think some of the gore was a little over the top, I guess. I mean, I'm not like a prude or anything. I, I don't mind hyper-violence. But I don't know. It just didn't hit me. I, I think Superman, Man of Tomorrow was just more my lane of DC animation. And I just liked the story more. I liked the characters. I, li- I love the voice acting. The guy who plays, the guy who plays Pa Kent has probably one of my favorite uh performances um by by the way that's uh the janitor from scrubs yeah um let's see where is it jonathan kent neil flynn and he's also like in the fairly odd parents and um and he's done like a lot of voice work and such um he's he he you can spot him like everywhere he's you know like timmy's dad in the fairly odd parents um, and, but I just liked Man of Tomorrow more just on a visual level and just action, like I said, 
just it all just helps and it all kind of feels more cohesive where i just felt like justice league dark apocalypse war which is kind of they had to it, it sounds like they were wanting to do more but then they just had to wrap up everything it's like there are a lot of story beat lines that i know they never got to or i don't remember them like the whole thing with cyborg and his bot and his robot body like they were kind of building up something there and then it just never happened until or like it didn't happen in the way i was thinking of because you know if you've seen like young justice you know there's a very similar kind of story arc for cyborg in that show mm-hmm. it just didn't but i still like justice league dark apocalypse war it just wasn't for me yeah i i, I understand all of, all of the complaints but um since since like um since i w- i was just a little bit more well, well, I haven't seen all of those like, um, like that uh, continuity of DC films. I I saw enough of them that there was a little bit more of an emotional connection to um, to the characters in in Apocalypse War. But I'll I'll agree that Man of Tomorrow is better as like a as a standalone film and a well a really rock solid fresh start for for the dc direct-to-video features right right so um next up we have our best original film this is like the best film based on a uh uh, like based on like well no well nothing it's an original film from the ground up and uh well i chose wolf walkers with soul coming in seconds i just think Wolf Walkers is well. What what else can we say? Wolf Walkers was good. <laughs> yeah, we'll 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 um, we'll have a, a few more opportunities to to repeat ourselves about Wolf Walkers. Um, but I want to give a shout out to Over the Moon, and I want to give a special shout out to the screenwriter, um, Audrey Wells, who sadly passed away um a few years ago right right, right. before the, right before the release of um they hate you give oh that movie was good yeah and uh honorable another honorable mention goes to ride your wave um and onward because mm. i just think onward did a good job with its fantasy setting and just the ending and just the overall story i just think wolf walkers man <laughs> yeah what else do i need to say <laughs> so um since we had a few sequels i put in best sequel slash continuation and my honorable mentions go to a sean the sheep movie farmageddon i just feel like it fell apart with the side characters that's and, fair but i mean i loved everything else i love that movie still um but my winner goes to the crew to new age just because it just I don't know what something I don't know I was I don't know if I was just like I don't know if I want to see a sequel to this but then I sat down and watched it and it was just like oh my goodness I love this movie <laughs> I, I was honestly th- kind of thinking the same thing um like um just just as a reminder to, to our audience um I had not seen the original crews in theaters so watching that and the sequel back and forth was was a very rewarding experience. But 
but that being said, I put I put Sean the uh, a Sean the Sheep movie Farmageddon just slightly above it. Um, and yeah, I had to throw another nod to to Justice League Dark Apocalypse War as as a continuation slash conclusion to that era of DC film of like the animated DC films. I think well, you know, um, while it's not while it's not perfect, um, you know, I th- I think for for what it is, I thought it was a great like a um, a great send off for those for those characters and Shaun the Sheep. Um, I I don't I don't think I'll ever not love an art like an Ardman film or an an Ardman uh, production because you know um everything from like the craft of stuff of stop motion animation to just that like very that very cheeky british sense of humor and a a reminder that um the sean the sheep movies don't have traditional dialogue it's just a bunch it's just a bunch of gibberish so um you know that it like that still goes along a long way you know with like body language and um like the character designs that that pretty much do all like the heavy lifting where normal films will have you know actual dialogue right right and um but no i i can see why and now uh biggest surprise um I my runner up is the nose. It just took me a little bit to get into the nose's rhythm. Cause I was just like, I don't know what's going on here. And then it's like, are you combining plays? Are you combining stories? What's going on? But then it's like, oh, now I get it. So my choice goes to Angaku R sound because I was kind of leaning on like, oh, I'm sure it's gonna be interesting. And there's this charm to it that I think will carry it through its flaws. But then it's just like I love this movie. <laughs> like, but that was just for me. Um, on Gaku, our sound, um, I like that. I, I was, I was debating what to put on, on this one because that like, there, there were so many options. Um, like I, I, I might've even put, I might've even put um, animal crackers as a, as a surprise because you know as much as you and i were like um like looking he- forward to it yeah as 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 much as we were anticipating this movie um i i still didn't even think it was going to be like as as good as it was um but the like the the two the two that i had to pick were the nose Pretty, pretty much for the reason that you said like I had like I had no idea what to expect yeah um, then like the nose and Marona's fantastic tales um, two two films that um, you know like, like like I said the like they they are kind of the reason why I love animation because they they, they know no they know no limits right. Um, like the the only limits are 
um, the like the imagination of like the writers, the directors, the animators, every everyone who worked on these. Yeah, yeah. So next up are is and I think the most unique. Well, this might kind of be something similar to like the mo- the best film to use different kinds of animation. But I but I think it's different enough uh, from the this one. I call it the most unique animation. And to me, the nose was the honorable was the runner up. And I've seen on Gakuar Sound style where it's mostly rotoscoped, um, and you can tell it's rotoscoped, but it still it looks great. So I chose the Willoughby's just because it has this super vibrant. Um, stop motion cgi style to it that just looks really cool and it's still and just the lighting and the like the the scene setups and sequences it it was just something very cool like i i just love the visual look of the film um yeah the like the will the willoughby's is one of my honorable mentions um I, I think the only the only reason it's not my number one is because this this isn't this isn't really the first time that we've seen CGI mimic stop motion. Even though I think even though I think um, the like the character designs are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I get you. Uh, but I like I had I had to put the nose um, as my like as my number one because. Um, we've said it. <laughs> yeah, I like it. It, it like you. You have no. You have you guys in the audience have no idea how how much it hurts me that like I can't watch this film again because it like this this movie has just been on my mind ever since I first saw it. Um, just. Just, just the image of the nose is, is something that I can't get out of my head. Yeah, no, it's so distinct. And Russia has a very productive and fruitful animation history. So it's, it was like nice to see something from at Annecy from there, along with that one film, uh, I forgot what it was called, uh, but the studio that made it shut down recently. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that it, you'll you'll have to go back to some of the earlier episodes. So, best CGI animation for me, it's Soul, and just because it's the textures and just the polish of the designs and the looks of everything, like nothing feels incohesive. Like it, it's all consistent within the art style, and just the really the hair details, like what uh, pay everything to your animators pixar and disney just like just the level of detail that went into some of those deep like moments like the barbershop scene mm-hmm. is so impressive to me and the and the willoughby's are runner-up because of its vibrant color palette like i think my favorite scene is still when all the, the willoughby kids are walking past a rainbow wall and it's just the cat with the cat in the umbrella in the background. Just like it just it just looks great. <laughs> Another 
quarter in the jar for saying it looks great. Um, and but that's just for me for best CGI. And yeah, um, I I I I get it, man. Uh, the like the Willoughby's, um, like even even like some of the textures on like on those characters, like like the sweater that uh, the Barnaby twins keep pa- keep uh, passing to each other. Um, little, little details like that are um, like do not go unnoticed. Um, but for me, like the best CGI animation obviously comes from Soul, which we've spoken at nauseum about how much we love that movie. Um, but my my other my runner up was Over the Moon, um, and a lot and a lot of that. Ha- a lot of that comes from the like the vibrant like neon colors in um uh, like when once when once uh the lead character actually actually lands on the um i don't want to i don't want to call it the moon planet yeah because the moon's not a planet um but like when once she actually lands on the moon and she's like and she gets like this like this um you know she gets a lay of the land like that's that's some some of the most like vibrant um vibrant colors i've seen um in an animated movie especially one that's like that's set in space yeah no um and it it was my runner-up just because i i don't know I wish there was a little more of that moon stuff. Like, or like, I don't know. I'm not saying like the CGI looks bad. It it still looked great. I mean, come on, it's Pearl Studios and then Netflix and Glenn Keane and their, and the art team that worked on it. Um, it but I just, I don't know. It just, I, I still like giving out the support for uh, stuff like the Willoughby's and such. Now, uh, no shock of the century, the best 2D animation goes to Wolfwalkers. Yeah, um, I mean, ru- what, what more can we say? Yeah. Except, except um, I, I don't, I don't know, like if there, um, if if you if you can find any like any behind the scenes clips like floating around on YouTube, um, like. Give 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 those a watch, and then, well, and then go watch the movie. But right. But if you, if if you, if you want to see some of like the intricacies of like, you know how the sausage is made, definitely seek out some behind the scenes uh, clips because, um, like like the process of how Wolfwalkers came together is every bit as fascinating as the film itself. Right, right. No, it's it's so fun. I was so happy to watch that behind the scenes thing from Annecy. And I hope we get some kind of Blu-ray release. I know it's on Apple service, but I'd like a Blu-ray, please, G Kids. Um so we now get to the final two. First off, best foreign feature. For me. It's ride your wave. <laughs> like I, I was trying to debate: does Wolfwalkers count because it's from you know 
not from the US and such. But it was also made for specifically for Apple Plus. So I consider it a mainstream film. That's but it was tough because you can split hairs with this kind of topic. Yeah. No, I I I I get that. Um, um you know, I've 2020 was the year that I declared myself a Masaki Yuasa stan. So, of, of course, that was going to be my number one. But I also wanted to give a shout out to Morona's Fantastic Tales. And I don't know, I don't know if that's available to watch. Uh, oh, Morona? Okay. Okay. Apparently, apparently it's on, um, it's on Hulu, um, Sling TV, Stars, and you can rent it for um, for three ninety nine on YouTube. So it's 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 not it's not like it's completely inaccessible. Um, if you're if you're curious to check it out, well, you can own it on Blu Ray and such also. So yeah, oh, like I, like like I said, if if you if you want to watch it, the options are there. Right. Right. Um, so for me, like just Masaki Yuasa, man, just, he's so good. I love this drama and it's so nice to see a romance anime where the characters actually spend time as a couple mm-hmm. and such. And this is what I like about wolf children from Mamoru Hosoda, because it's like a lot of times, a lot of bad drama romance dramas are like oh here's the one minute that we get together one of them dies Mm. and then and but ride your wave is different from that so uh overall mike what is the best mainstream film of ours to me i mean it's obvious who that it's going to be for us but since 2020 was just a heck of a year it's a tie. I'm not doing any runner-ups. It's a tie between Wolf Walkers and Soul. Yeah. Yeah. And and if you're going to complain about that, well, it's our award show thing. So and look back. So you know what? <laughs> let me let me let me ask you something. Um, since since we don't need to explain our choices again, um, let me let me ask you this. In uh. In like five to ten years, which film do you think will be? Um, which, which film do you think will be um, remembered more fondly? That's tough. I think Wolf Walkers, just because it's a bit more straightforward, and its two D animation is just amazing to look at. Soul is going to be great still. It's still going to be an incredible film years down the line. But it's also a CGI film. And even as good as it looks, I think people are still going to be like, okay, well, this was impressive for 2020. But now that it's like 2051, everything just looks stupidly realistic. (laughs) I don't know. I think it, it kind of depends. Um, I think Wolfwalkers is is going to be 
for this generation what the secret of nim was for children of the 80s um you know that like that one that one hidden gem that was you know just just big enough that you know um that even like casual audiences like still remember it fondly but just like just niche enough that you know it's it's something special when when you discover it for the first time right right and no it's just it's just going to be interesting to see what happens so and that is it for our our award talk um now instead of instead of doing the traditional recommendations i'm going to use that time to kind of spotlight the tell the like the television shows um that we covered last year so um i think i think you and i both agree that um you know among among the best among the best new series to come from 2020 were you know shows like Kipo in the Age of Wonder Beasts, um, Great Pretender, um, The Owl House season one. Um, that's I, I think I think those are like my my top my top three. The more like the more I think about them, mm-hmm. um, and and also uh, two two of those three are are at least to my to my knowledge complete. Um, from beginning to end. Yeah. Um, for me, if I had to like mix it up, um, I think, yeah, my favorite would still be Keep on Age of Wonder Beasts. My number two would be Doro Hidoro. Mm, that's, that's a good one. My third one would be The Owl House. And then number four would be Glitch Text. Um, Ooh, Yeah. Just because I feel so bad for that show, it got screwed over because Nickelodeon sucks. Um, oh, the you know mid- what else well, I want to get the, the higher ups at Nickelodeon sucked for me, for just running that felt that show through so many hurdles. Not 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 only that, but like they also screwed over Rise of the Teen Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, they did. They sh- uh, the the other show I want to give a shout out to is uh, the Funkies. Oh man, that show is so good. It's and uh, it, close it's, enough. It's so, oh, and close enough. Yeah, but back to the fungies. Um, the the fungies just has a very um, laid back attitude. Um, it's it, it it's it's certainly one of those like just just one of those feel like feel good shows that um, they like they do teach. They do teach good morals, but it's also just really subtle. Like the humor is very subtle, and uh, you know, subtle and just um, like the like the, the jokes sneak up on you. Yeah, yeah. No, um, yeah, and I, I was just happy that Close Enough finally came out last year, and it was as good as it was when it was just kind of stuck in release limbo for ages. Um, and then of course I, yeah, the great pretender was just a great action heist show with 
amazing characters. And really, it was a really strong year for cartoons in 2020. Like with really the the worst one being Hoops. And but we don't have to talk about that one ever again. No, we don't. No, we don't. And then it's like there were some a little a few surprises. Like It's Pony was a charming little show from Nickelodeon that I hope more people watch. And Central Park is a lot of fun for a, a musical show. Um, and of course, then we had Animaniacs and Looney Tunes come back in the same year. And they brought back old, like their distinct comedy chops. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was just good. I would recommend some anime, but I'm going to keep that for the next episode. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll be we'll be back um, in a in couple. May. Yeah, uh, when we when we return in May, we will have lots and lots of anime to discuss. Um, but for now, um, Cameron, where can everyone find you online? Uh, you can find me at Twitter on twitter.com/camsiview or at camsiview. I have my own website called camsiview.biz where I review animated films called The Other Side of Animation. I have a Patreon at patreon.com slash camsiview. If you like my work, you can, you can support me there. And you guys can find me on Twitter at CaptainK42. Check out all my quick thought reviews on letterbox.com slash CoachK42. And by the time this episode is released, um, my... Um, you could you will find me as a guest on um, on suddenly soundtracks on the PJ Campbell Network. We'll be talking about uh, Metallica's Master of Puppets, celebrating its thirty fifth anniversary. And you can find Renegade Pop Culture on Facebook and Twitter at Ren Pop Culture. You can check out all of our podcasts on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. And last but not least, everything can be found at renegadepopculture.com. In escape, so do we. That'll do it for this episode of Renegade Animation. We will catch you guys later. Peace out. Bye.